I'll give you 20 bucks if it is aliens. It's aliens. Rewind. <laughs> tell Will the story again. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Moto Pixels podcast. I am Will Atkinson, and I am joined by... Craig Schumann. Brian Pachuki. Esteban Santana. And our special guest... Rihanna Manuel. Before we get started, please be aware that all of our podcasts are extremely spoiler-heavy. We will try not to spoil things other than Horizon Zero Dawn, but be warned if you're squeamish of Horizon spoilers. All right, so for our getting-to-know-you question, we're going to say... What animal would you turn into a cool cyber robot android thing? Is it an android? If it's a, animal? I don't think it's an android. No, I don't it's think not it's an, an android. Android is is uh, reserved for, uh, for humans. Yeah. Humanoids. Okay, so your favorite cool cyber animal thing? Lately, I've been on this kick of I've seen a bunch of videos of baby kangaroos, mm-hmm. and they are so adorable. And if you just put a bag in front of their face, they just fall into it. Mm-hmm. It is so cute. I think a su- cool super cyber. Baby Roo would be pretty cool. What are you thinking, Craig? I was actually thinking a polar bear, or I guess it could be a grizzly bear or any other side type of bear, but I was thinking of, like, what's, like, a large predator? I know there's already plenty of those within Horizon, but that was kind of where my mind went. Where did your mind go, Brian? Yeah, I mean, the obvious ones already exist or have been done. There's a kind of small bird, not not necessarily a big bird, maybe like a, uh, like a hawk or something. That's what I was thinking, like a hawk. Like a Glintock, maybe? <laughs> no, that's, that's too big. <laughs> it's a little bigger than what we're thinking of. Yeah, we're talking about, like, you know. All right, Esteban, what do you got? Roughly one meter yeah. or less? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say about one. I was actually thinking that there was not that many water-based hmm. uh, creatures in the game. We have the, there was the, exactly alligator, <laughs> the alligator analog, so it's, like, the only one. I was thinking something the like a whale ball. or a... Yeah, the snap moths, the alligator analogs. The snap moths are the only water-based ones, so I was thinking something uh, like uh, whales or mm-hmm. dolphins or something that spends a lot of its life in the water, but not in swamps. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Anytime I jumped into the water, I felt like I was not at risk, so that would be really interesting. Yeah, a cyber frog. Yeah, like <laughs> frog or snake. Sure. I also think that there's like a, a lower limit on the size of the of the animals, but we can get to that later. Oh, like a cyber jellyfish? Ooh. Sure. <laughs> cyber jellyfish. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it's It stings you with electricity. <laughs> They're pretty Why much arm already cyber yes. things already. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they didn't do more with the swarm. Like I was expecting to see like, I don't know, some kind of fly butterfly thing that would attack people sort of in the air. Like a that'd be interesting. locust, like small. Yeah, maybe not an insect exactly, but just something that sort of you can't get away from and you have to swat at. I think like that goes back to my comment of there might be a in this universe there might be a lower bound on the mm-hmm. size of the creatures because they're all they're all pretty big. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting evolutionary choice from the the whole premise of why they're there. Sure, like the I think the smallest ones were the the strikers. Is that what they're called? The stalkers? Stalkers. Or watchers. Thank the watchers. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, flashlights, what I call them. Yeah, yeah, the flashlights. Yeah. Those, that's a good name. <laughs> so speaking of where this whole thing came from, I'm going to give a, a quick rundown of the story. Please feel free to stop me, oh, jump in, and expand wherever you think is appropriate. And so this is the story of Aloy. The story starts with a nice intro scene with of the dude. What's the dude's name? Anybody? Rust. 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 He's dragging this kid up and shouts at the top of his lungs, and apparently he's been ex- exiled, exercised. Aloy! 
one of my coolest parts i thought was the super, pretty late title scene title card title the game select screen it's not yeah, even it's, really a title card yeah. it's, it's very well a, done it's pretty very cool smooth. pretty late so you kind of get the idea that he's been uh cast out of the, the nora society but there is at least somebody who's still trying to involve him vaguely then you jump into the childhood of aloy and you discover that she doesn't know who her parents are, and she really wants to figure out from the Nora where, where she came from. And the plan they hatch to do that is that she should be the winner of the yearly challenge for proving. The, the proving. And so there's this kind of training, mo- training, oh, training montage. montage. Yeah. It's the best montage. It's a montage! Yeah, it's a great montage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really you- slick intro from when she's a child to like a teenager. It's pretty good. Also, side note, this whole time she's also exiled. I don't know if that makes a big difference. Yes. It is yep. an interesting concept that she's never known culture aside from her guardian. Yeah, she can't talk to the other children. And when she sees them, she's kind of either punished or yelled at or kids throw rocks at her and stuff. So the tribe is called the Nora. And actually what's super interesting about it is anybody who's in exile is supposed to be exiled from everybody, including themselves. She doesn't really have a oh, guardian, yeah. so Rost actually looks after her, but that's actually against mm-hmm. rules. He only partially gets away with it because one of the, the three matriarchs of the Nora Society Tersa. sort of allowed him to do that. Like, even at the name choosing, she was Well, they gave them the charge. Yeah, she... They're not supposed to. Like, actually, at the beginning, one of the first missions you get is to actually help <laughs> a mm-hmm. exile, and the That's exile never talks great, to you. Funny. But, great uh, quest. It's the same thing with that. Like, your exiles are not supposed to talk to yes. anybody, including other exiles. Yeah. So. There's this whole thing where she's like, oh, thank the mother for... It. And she's like, I fucking brought you the, the rabbits. <laughs> I am right <laughs> here. I am right here. Why? The, no, no. The great old mother is not what's bringing. Well, I guess. Well, never. Did mind. you did you listen to Ross's explanation though? Yes. When you go after that, like, yeah, yeah it's, and it's like, like, well, yeah, the old mother brought you to her, yeah. and, and you're like, damn it, <laughs> you're you're the old mother's. Uh, yeah, she's working arm through you. Like, yeah. no. Like, uh, anyway, it's like fine. That's a great go scene. Ahead, so she finally goes to take the proving. There's a touching scene with Ross where he's like. Uh, this is it. I can never see you again. You're going to be a member of the tribe, so you can't talk to me in exile anymore. Mm-hmm. And if, I'm not mistaken. Is that your first choice in the game? How you respond to him saying? Um, before that, there's one where the kids throw rocks at you. Oh right, and you and decide yeah, yeah. how to yeah. retaliate. I see. So what, you, what you're bringing up is there's these choices where you can either use your brain, your hand, or your heart. Sure. And I think I used my brain for every single choice, and I don't Almost think it mattered at all. It does not matter one bit. I used my heart, and it literally has no effect except for the next two seconds of text. It doesn't change the narrative story. It just changes the other words. Yeah, it colors the experience. I did my heart as well throughout the entire game. So as you're going through the proving... Which is their coming-of-age ceremony, mind you. There are some visitors from out of town... One of the guys who is a visitor also has this device that Aloy had found as a child called a... Focus. Focus. It seems to be some ancient relic where these people were able to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Through his focus, he informs somebody that Aloy is there. And as a result, right at the end of the proving, they get attacked and basically slaughter all these kids, which is a great way to start a, a mm-hmm. story, mind you. Mm-hmm. Just kill all the children. Kill all the children. Well, they left a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Not 
Not really by choice. <laughs> Not by choice, right. Only, only by the main character's determination that they survive. Sure. Yeah. And so part of this, apparently Ross was just sitting in the, the wings. Yeah, he was just hiding somewhere. And he's like, somewhere. hey, you can't kill children. So he steps in there to fight off the big bad and uh, gets himself killed in the process. Mm-hmm. Blown to smithereens. Kind of puts to rest this whole, how am I going to find Ross afterward question. <laughs> yep, puts a nice big kibosh on that. It's like, okay, well, moving on. During the process, you get knocked out. You nearly, I mean, depending on how technical you want to be, you get your throat slit and you're you knocked out. You get threatened out. with a knife. You don't get your throat slit. Like your throat you gets her like throat. It's like, it's like <laughs> a Hollywood thing where like, they like... You get a nick on you. your throat. Yeah, but like it's super sharp. Like, like I said, somehow, depending on how, yeah. how anal we want to be here. <laughs> you knocked out. You wake up. You're... Uh, hanging out in the in the in the All Mother's Cave, I think I can't can't re- quite remember what the name of the it's like their Mother's their holy heart? Is that site. Mother's yeah, heart. yeah, Mother's Heart. Side note: All of the cities in the Nora are called Mother Something, and yes. it confused yeah. the hell out of me. I thought <laughs> yes. I kept going to the same city over and over and over again. <laughs> you have Mother's like, Nest, and you have yeah, it's like Mother's, Mother's Cradle, Crown, Mother's Cradle, yeah, Mother's Cradle, Mother's Heart, yeah. So that like confused that the hell out of me. What's a matriarchal society? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I get it afterward. If somebody had said something like, okay, we're going from mother's crown to mother's heart, I would have been like, oh, oh. But it wasn't until like way after the game and I was like looking at the names of the cities like, oh. So when they were telling you go to mother's whatever, you just assumed just that was the always map. the same. You thought that yeah, was I thought the same I was city? Just <laughs> going out in the wild and circling back. He, <laughs> like, he just followed the like, waypoints. Uh, it's fine. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> So we get our asses handed to us. We spend a couple of days inside of Mother's Heart. Yeah. You try to go into Mother's Heart try and it scans door, you. Yeah. First, right. initially, you think you're going to get in and then it says data corrupted. You get sent on, out on a mission to go find the corrupted data. Find the and, index. And that's a good point because that is her reward for winning. The, the proving. <laughs> right. Proving. So, so, the, so everybody that is of age goes through the proving. If you complete it, you become full-fledged member of the society. But if you are the first one to complete it, then you get to ask the matriarchs for a, a gift or a something. And what she asked for was to go inside of Mother's Well, actually, she didn't really par- ask anything. Who her parents were. Yeah, yeah to figure out who her parents were. And Tersa brought her to the door at Mother's Heart. Well, actually, it's to find out who her mother is, because sure. they don't really ever care about the yeah, father the, that society. Yeah. It's always, who's my mother, who's my mother, you know. Well, Ross does her dad. Some corrupted monsters attack. You go like, hey, that's super cool. You steal the doodad and stick it on your stick mm-hmm. to turn, so that you have the power of corruptors. Mm-hmm. But your corruption is good. Yeah, sure. because it's blue. It's, it's blue. blue. <laughs> Not red. It's, yeah. Hey, sure. If Star Wars has taught us anything, it's blue is good, <laughs> red, red is, is bad. Good. Yep. Just like when and you murder people, And purple is awesome. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You talk Override to the, the, the Nora mothers. The cool one's like, hey, you should become a seeker. That way you can go figure out what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And the, the old grumpy lady's like, fuck no, fuck you. And then the one in the middle is like, I guess you could be a seeker. Yeah. It's, it's very split up. Like, one of them is really all for you. The other one is, hates your guts. And really the does. middle one is like, eh, sure. That's why not? Yeah, that's kind of seems to go along with it. Yeah. Then you're sent off. So when you get to the main city, the main quest kind of branches in two, which I thought was really cool. Uh, What's the name of the main city? 
Meridian? Uh, Meridian. Meridian. Yeah. Thank you. Which is oh, the, so there's two. Which is <laughs> <laughs> the main city for the Osram tribe. Right. So no, uh, no. Not the Osram. No. The, the Car- Karja. Karja. Sorry. And Ooh. not the Shadow Karja. The, Karja. Yeah, the regular Karja. Karja. So many names. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, they each have their own cities. The Shadow Karja have their own. The Osram have their own. The Nora have sure, their own. Sure, but our, our effective quest hub is Meridian. And all right. of the, the main... That is... Okay. It's the, like the most developed, interesting the most civilized city. We should come back to that, because uh, sure. it really wasn't a quest hub for me. Kind of one branch of the story happens because one of the guys you've met, who's Arend. like the king of the... Or the, the master of the guard. What was his name? Erend. Erend. He's coming back, and his sister died right before you get back mm-hmm. and so there's a whole quest chain where you're figuring out what the hell happened to his sister <laughs> you go and you figure out that his sister was killed by the shadow carja she was captured and tortured no 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 it was an osram guy he was the osram have a number of these it's their hardline faction what is it? it's like the it's like their warlords and he's one of their but he's like mm-hmm. the osram hate him so actually erend and the sister ursa yeah, they are from the Osram, and they helped the king, who's the current king of the Karja, who was the son. Right, and and there's uh, a lot overthrow of... Overthrow the Mad King. Yeah, there's a lot of political intrigue yeah. surrounding that quest line. So over the course of the quest line, she dies, and you have to go and talk to the king about her dying. And apparently they had a thing going on. Oh, yeah. Yes. A little thing behind the scenes, and then... One of the creepy, weirdest pieces is <laughs> that he's like, too. <laughs> oh, so my girlfriend's dead, so what's going on with you? And it's just so awkward. He's like, oh my so god, you're so I love how she put him in check, though. There's yeah, yeah she's like, no, and I like that he later in the game comes back and apologizes for being... Yeah. There's a, a big, creepier side quest, but... Well, the whole like, fact that Ursa was kidnapped because she wouldn't date the dude. Yeah, I wasn't even talking place. about this class. I was talking about the one where you meet the guy who drinks the machine oil. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, that's a really super creepy one. So it's like almost dead center in the map. You come ac- across this very small fort and there's nobody there. And you see like some dead machines, like some machines that are, those look like teeth marked on those machines. That's super strange. So you go into this rundown shack. Uh, so he's a shaman from them. The Banuk. Yes, that's it. Mm. He thinks that by drinking the blood of the machine, which is machine oil, <laughs> that he can get the spirits to talk to him. But it's like super dangerous, obviously, to drink you know, machine oil. And uh-huh. don't say. <laughs> and he's like, but you really want to know what's going on, don't you? And you're like, I guess. And then he's like, so you have to go kill these machines. So the whole quest is like he sends you on different quests to kill machines, and you bring him the oil, and every time he goes like, out of his mind, like Far I don't think I did stuff. this yeah, quest. Kind of Far Cry style like, psychedelic trip with the, the drug stuff. With and as you're giving it to him, you're like, "This is probably gonna kill you. I don't think I should be doing this." Here, well, here's the oil. Bottoms up, <laughs> and he keeps drinking. And then, oh, like right. at one point, he's like, like his head like droops, and he looks at you, and and you're like, "Oh, my eyes are up here." And he's like, "I don't care about that." <laughs> <laughs> it's just super creepy, <laughs> and like, and at the end, he almost dies because you, you get him. Like, I think it's either Thunderjaw or the Storm. Stormbird, that's the last one. You give him both. And like he's just like, oh, I got to leave because this is too crazy. And that wow. I thought was creepier than that, but pretty close. Okay. I don't think I did that quest at all. Yeah, I didn't even know that was there. So the other main quest involves you figuring out what happened to the human civilization. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, FYI, this happens on our Earth mm-hmm. several hundred years from now. Spoilers. Yes. It's with not with very screwed up geography, but sure. 
It's good. It was, ter- it was re-terraformed, so sure, That's true. And it was close enough. So when you get to Meridian, the reason you're going to Meridian is to talk to what's his name, the Ostrom guy with the focus, Olin. 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 You read his journal, and you find out that he's being blackmailed into helping the Shadow Karja by spying on the people at Meridian. Because his family is kidnapped. Yes, his wife and daughter were kidnapped. So it's worth noting that to find Olin and to help his family or people that are held captive, you start getting talked to through your focus by a mysterious stranger. And that stranger (laughs) is who kind of helps propel you through the rest of the game and trying to uncover what happened to the world. Mm -hmm. The wizard. Mr. Lance Reddick. So that quest gets you wandering around in a couple of the... Oh, the cauldrons? The cauldrons. Oh, those are the best. I really enjoyed wandering around the cauldrons, too. Mm-hmm. Where you learn kind of what the hell was going on. Basically, a quick rundown of what happened is humans were getting more and more cool with these robots, and then there was another faction that was trying to use them as peacekeeping with air quotes machines, a.k.a. war machines, and... The main head engineer screwed something up. It's a little unclear. It kind of sounds like it might have been externally influenced. There's some bug that is unable to recover from, and they go crazy and start trying to take over the world. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that the robots that were being manufactured at this time were built in such a way that they could clone themselves. So they were built to take up some of the ecosystem and turn that into other machines so they could keep replicating if they're going to keep replicating and taking out life there wasn't really a way to fight back i mean you could try and hold the tide but humans didn't really ever have a chance of truly destroying them unless they could break the code right and what's more creepy about it is that the replication tech requires biomass biomatter yeah Yeah. the other cool thing about the cauldrons is that they're essentially just like high level stealth runs Mm -hmm. so if you're not playing that way it becomes really challenging it sort of forces you into... Until the end. Appro- well, true. <laughs> it forces you into approaching the game from a self-perspective in a lot of ways, which I thought was interesting. And actually, the voice that you're hearing tells you that the woman who looks like you is Elizabeth Sobek, and you find out she worked for so- Ferro Industries, and she was the one that came up with all these uh, super autonomous robots, but she came up with them for environmental reasons. And yeah, like, like reforestation so- and... and, it, and-, and- like in was it, 2040s or something, and all so- the, her robots actually reversed all like the problems of like climate change, deforestation, and all this stuff. And then so we- Ted Farrow wanted to turn them into more profit, right. and he was the one that decided to turn them into war machines, which caused Elizabeth to leave. Uh, so if we jump back to the, that point in the story, once he realizes that something's gone wrong, he calls up Elizabeth and again, is like, yeah. oh my god, I fucked up, please fix this for me. And after being cranky and and going off and coming back, she's like, okay, here's the solution. It's this thing called Zero Dawn. Her master plan is we're going to come up with a capsule that's going to preserve all of human experience, bury it away, give it this AI to watch over it. And then thousands of years later, after the robots have killed themselves, or I'm sorry, we're, we're also going to have an AI that's going to kill the robots a thousand years from now, send them their deactivate code. And then once we finally do that, this AI is going to re-terraform the Earth and put everything back the way it was. So the plan is, everybody's going to die, but we're going to have a plan for a thousand years from now. Literally everybody who is alive at that point will die, and they will have 
the, the typical sci-fi thing of we'll have these pods of human eggs that will eventually, once the Earth is back to being inhabitable again, we will grow these humans and let them repopulate the Earth. For Literally, every single person, including all the people working on Project Zero Dawn, will die. But nobody is told this. Humanity will go extinct. Uh, yeah, unless you're a part of the project, and only once you are the alpha level members in, or whatever, yeah. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a great psychological thing where. Oh, so here's what the project is: Do you want to either contribute to it, get locked away in jail for the rest of your life, or kill yourself? Mm-hmm. And they're like, these are your options. You can pick any one. And they're like, go way out of their way not to force you down any particular path. Mm-hmm. But you cannot leave. Yeah. So you have like have to pick one of those three. Or working on the project. Well, that's that's or? your second choice, right? So the first choice is, hey, we really want you for this project. If we tell you what this project is, you're locked the, in. You're locked in. This is your last chance, like blue pill, red pill moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you elect to be told what the project is, then you have this secondary choice of, okay, how do you want to do this? All the while, and, there's a mass worldwide war going on of humanity versus the machines, mm-hmm. which they've told all of the human population that we're going to fight this war to give Zero Dawn time to save all of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. When really nobody is being going well, to Well, it's technically true. Like, save humanity uh, yeah. is, is the pitch. Yes. Um, and then people that interpret that as they're going to save me personally. Yes. But in reality, it's like they're going to save humanity as a whole, but not the people that are currently alive i think there's just some really interesting stuff about how they talk about all these people deciding to kill themselves and then there's like Mm -hmm. a like in the very beginning of the game the first ruins you see they're talking about how everybody's decided we're all gonna go kill ourselves today and so it's like we made it a party and we're having a good time and the guy's like these people are fucking weird. We're about to fucking kill ourselves. Yeah, like you hear the voice recordings of the people yeah. there, and they're like, "I can't believe oh, yeah, we're all yeah. do this." And like, there's one like, "Oh yeah, it's New Year's. It's New Year's Eve, and they want to throw a party. What the fuck are they want to throw a party for? Yeah. We're gonna kill. Them. Like, who the hell cares about New Year's Eve?" Mind you, these people were the ones that chose to be told what the project was and chose to participate actively participate in it. But for whatever circumstances, they were not able to be transported to the final site. The machines were going to yeah, overrun there. They were not alpha level. But those people would still be in, in the final facility. Everyone that, that was yes. briefed yes. on the project yeah. would go to this final facility. But for whatever reason, the specific site, the machines advanced too quickly and they were not able to be evacuated. So the, the two options were let the machines kill me or kill myself before we get there. And that is where Aloy finds her focus. That's, That's where, yes, that is where she finds I, I her focus. I was struck by like a, I guess, five, six-year-old girl looking at all these dead bodies and hearing these messages. And it was interesting that she didn't really react to that. Yeah, the way she's a five a or little, six-year-old might. She's a little badass from... I don't know if I saw a dead body, like go. now... I'd probably scream <laughs> something. <laughs> These also didn't look like fresh bodies. Like true. they were. That's true. Oh yeah, I mean they've been they've been decomposing skeletons for hundreds of years at this so, point. I'm, yeah. I'm imagining one I mean, of my nieces or nephews even though they're stumbling upon a dead body of any age. It's like they're wandering around uh, reacting some way. Haunted house. So generally, these AIs all each have their individual purpose. One of them is to hack the robots. One of them is like the master AI that's looking at one. So technically, There's a, only. The master Gaia. AI, Gaia, is an actual AI. Yes. The rest are okay. uh, for yeah, the reasons that we'll get to in a, in a little bit, they, she had some sub-functions that each had the, the 
purpose that that you were going to explain? The most important one to this story is Hades, whose function is as like a soft reset. Oh, this world didn't turn out quite the Not way we were planning. Not soft reset, hard reset. <laughs> hard reset. Very right. hard reset. Yes. <laughs> yeah. anyway, hard reset. So, hey, my, the world isn't working out quite the way we planned. We're going to kill everything and start all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, like you actually get, you know, you, you view them through your focus, recordings of each of the alpha, the people who are running each of the sub-functions. And the guy who's creating Hades kind of explains it as, well, Gaia's still learning, and she's going to get it wrong a number of times. So Hades is here to basically say, oh, this one's wrong. Wipe that. Let's start over again. Completely start over. So to kill everything, all biomass, just wipe it clean again and let Gaia start over again. And we're not sure, even at the end of the game, if it's happened before. Is that right? That I is think that's a true. good call they out. They kind of leave I, it open to They do not mention. Yeah. I thought uh, they called out at least somewhere in one of the side pieces that, or Gaia may have called out that it had happened multiple times. So that, right, okay. It, that Hades had wiped out the planet a few times. Over the course of them finally finishing up the project, stealing everybody away, some shit gets down, and Elizabeth has to close the thing from the outside and goes off on her own. Oh, yeah, because they had the mm-hmm. whole... They had their, their bunker sealed up, and it was like it could only be uh, two millimeters. Two millimeter clearance. clearance. And we were and at six or whatever. Or ten or something. So somebody had to go out and seal it up. And they were debating who was going to do that because that meant instant death because the machines out there would kill you. And then while they're debating, Elizabeth pops on her Just radio and is like, I'm already out there doing this, and, and it's done. Without Elizabeth's guidance, the rest of the alphas kind of lose their way. And there's one in particular who had been kept in check by Elizabeth, and I think it was the Hades guy, but I can't remember who. You're talking about Ted Pharaoh, which is why I added all the way to the end of it. The war profiteer. The guy who owned Pharaoh Corp, who was the, who she. Was it that guy? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the one who sort of went rogue. He's the one that screwed it up again. My question is, why was he even allowed in this alpha program in the first place? So without Elizabeth to keep Ted in check, yes. he has crisis, internal crisis, yes. to become an external crisis. His central thesis is the reason the humans fucked up is because they had all this knowledge and power that if given to them again, the cycle would repeat itself. It would be a lot better if these humans started from scratch. So he deleted the Apollo subroutine and everything that that contained. And then... He also killed all of the alphas. Also, to make well, he sure didn't that he couldn't that replace he, Apollo. He, while he's saying, I'm going to delete this, a number of the alphas started to try to log into the main console mm-hmm. and stop him. Yes. And he said, stop doing that. And they kept doing it. And because they kept doing it, he said, I he have no them. choice and gassed them all. Yes, vented the, the atmosphere in the room that they were in. Yeah. Yes. At this point, if we jump forward 400-ish years, mm-hmm. there is... Humans are alive. Humans are alive, kind of. It's no, they're alive. They're they're underground. They're in they're in the ruined in mother's heart. You go in and you see that there were kids growing, and they end up being like teenagers. Yes, that's right. And they want to go outside, but they can't. (laughs) So they're not allowed outside until one day. Something happens, which seems to be hinted that it's some extraterrestrial thing happens, and all of a sudden extraterrestrial. It's it's heavily implied both here and later that it's something extraterrestrial. I thought it was just some random signal from somewhere, like somebody. Yeah, like I always assumed it was. I always assumed it was it was something Ted Farrow just left around. 
I just assumed it's it was like, very. They like, talk about it like coming I was off just, planet. Like the, it's. What? I don't know. I, I guess don't I missed so. that one. This signal or this event or whatever that comes in from outside triggers something in these subroutines to make them all self-aware and sentient. And all, not just Hades. Yes. All of them? Yes. Yeah. But Hades is the only one that acted. Yeah. I didn't catch that at all. That's interesting. That's why the machines in the world itself start going haywire. Because Festus, which is the one that creates the machines from the cauldron, starts doing more and more nasties. This is interesting. Hades sees that Gaia is trying to make progress and trying to overcome her limitations of not having Apollo, but that doesn't follow his core programming, so he tries to override her. Gaia has one and only one option, and that is to trigger an overload of the reactor of the location where she's at. I think the the great part of the part that you're talking about is that you see... When Aloy's getting this message from Gaia, and mm-hmm. it's like she recorded this message, and then yes. she's like, exactly 18 milliseconds ago, yes. this event happened, yes. and then it's like 20 seconds, 20 milliseconds later, she's like, I have to blow it up. Yes. And you're like, seeing mm-hmm. she recorded this whole conversation about what's happening, but the whole thing happens in less than a second, basically. Sure. Like, Hades becomes self-aware, decides he needs to take over, and and then Gaia decides to blow everything up in half of a second. Sure. It's like the the scale for that seemed really, really cool. But anyway, yeah. go on. And, and right, and she's recording this message to Aloy and saying, hey, I've triggered essentially Elizabeth Sobek's clone to come back and and make things better because i trust elizabeth i've i've known elizabeth for literally all my life so i know that even with these limitations the person of elizabeth sobek will find a way to restore maybe not restore me but definitely overcome hades and overcome this problem i think the the really interesting thing you learn about this point which i i think is a great like stick it to the player thing is that the non-corrupt machines are all peaceful trying to rebuild the planet for you mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and, and you've yep. been going around them. killing them killing them all yes well i mean they don't like you as soon as they see you so you have to murder them uh, well work. you find out why right you find out why the machines are like, the derangement are the, yeah the thank derangement, you that was the term mm-hmm. that i was like you know so uh, which was like what 20 years ago at the, from the start of the game so it was basically when aloy was when, at aloy's like, birth yes yeah. mm-hmm. hades has convinced the shadow Karja that he needs to attack not meridian but the tower right next to it no, no. So he's still convinced. They, the Shadow Carders still want to take over Meridian, and mm-hmm. they still think that Hades is like, yeah, we're, I'm going to give. I'm, that's the Shadow God that's going to bring us back to the sun. And, and so we're going to take. So they still think we need to. Ta- it's, we're just attacking Meridian, but really, what Hades wants is is the spire that is next to Meridian, which was. But the, he's using them just to basically cause this whole. The point was Hades is trying to get to this tower so that he can because that tower was the thing that transmitted the signal which shut down the robots in the first place. The the bad robots before the cool robots that we know now, the war machines. I think it's one. They of them. never did. I don't think they ever did. I like we, think we they never... have had to have, have to. She wouldn't have started rebuilding if it hadn't finished it in the first place. No, no, but no, the machines are there to constantly like fix and build up stuff. Like the machines or even. Even when, like, I think the machines are always supposed to be around, but they're under Gaia's control. This whole thing goes on, but Hades takes over them. I, I don't thought think there had to be a reset before she could start that. I that was the whole right. point yeah, of the... I think there was a, a wipe and re- refresh. 
before, way before. Minerva is the one that builds the massive communications arrays, and she is designed to broadcast this this kill signal around. Hades is going to try and take over Minerva's tower to send out another signal to basically reactivate them, reactivate everything, and make everybody badass. And bring back old ancient. Oh, oh, those. Okay, yes, I understand what you're saying now. Yes, okay, yes, the the old war machines. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes, Yes. gotcha. So that's. That's the, the yes, yes. Okay, that's different than I was referring to the, the current set. That I don't think. Did they make it clear whether or not people are aware that those machines are in the ground right now? No, most no. people are not. Most aware. people are not aware. Okay, you see that when though it's when, kind of funny because when Deathbringer, like you first see a Deathbringer and you're like, "What the hell is this?" And then the focus kind of tells you. And then also yeah. later during the war that Will's talking about, everybody seems to know what a Deathbringer is. And it's like, oh, there's yep. a Deathbringer. Kill that. Where like, it travels fast. <laughs> where did everybody learn about this in the span of? You know, span of a couple days? hours yeah. or days or whatever. Yeah, sure. About this point is where the two branches of the story come back together. Yes. One of the things that I thought was super, super cool about this game is I did the that main quest line before I even touched the other main quest line with the guy's sister. Oh. Oh. And okay. so Ew. I had never even met the king before I needed the king to help defend against uh, oh Hades' God, really? attack. Wow. wow. And so there were a lot of like little interesting things where she's like, okay, I need to go talk to the king. I should talk to the brother first because he kn- can talk to the king. Yeah, right? he can talk to and the king. And then you go and you talk to the king and the king's like, right when you start the first quest, because he's got like four quests before it, you're like, yeah. oh my God, they're going to attack any day now. And he's like, do you know when they're coming? And you're like, no, I don't know exactly when. He's like, okay, we'll go do this quest first and then we'll come back to it. Uh, like there's there's all this like interstitial, like they're so the, totally so aware the of the state down. of the, it, I mean, yes, so but he's, but, he, but at least he's not just like, here's this quest line and you don't there's a whole lot of extra dialogue around hey here's what the state of the world could be that got that I'm, that if you didn't do it in the order that so I it did, sounds it like they did huh. a poor job of trying to make an excuse for, for i think it's going like out of i think it's a much better job than anybody else i'm not saying it, i'm not saying it's it's not better than everybody else but it sounds like it's still like another one it's of the, still, it's, it's still a video game where you're like it's definitely still a video game where you're like okay the world is about to die but hold on no no i'm gonna go do all these side quests <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go hunt because if i don't the, do them now i can't do them ever like right? I, I mean that's game still, ends. still a credit to them that they even took into account like it, there's a chance that someone could go and go all the way around to this entire quest line and kind mm-hmm. of circle back into it and then be like we should add some sort of dialogue to try and justify that i'm kind of glad to that Will's your OCD point, didn't kick that. in and you actually did it that way because I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to hear because i totally play open world games where it's like nope all the other quests are done then the, the, uh, then i wait till the exact end then i do the main line yeah for some reason i was like okay now it's time to do the main line and so i picked the top main line quest and just kept doing the top mainline quest top mainline quest wow. top mainline quest and then it came back to the second one and i was like oh that, that's really interesting how they huh. kind of tied in like that i think there's something interesting just to feed off that a little bit that built within the ui um of how quests are maintained it respects the player enough to be like these are the main quests these are the side quests and call it out specifically in there so you can yeah, like know that. like i'm going to go do this quest and i know it's going to push the the steel thread through the story like you know that you're going to to participate in something that's going to help push along that or you know that you're going and doing something that's kind of off to the side so you can choose where you're going to focus the time on 
Yeah, it was very honest with the player, and I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree with Craig, and I also really liked the create, choose your own quest, create your own quest thing. I don't know if you guys ever used that. Oh yeah, creating know. jobs. Yeah, you could create a job, and it would create an errand to like go do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So you could basically. Oh. Have I never did that one. <laughs> so I did that once because I needed a purple thing that I wanted. I did it a couple times. One when I was like, "Oh, there's an unlimited fast travel thing. I want that." And then it's like, "Oh, but I don't have the heart of this thing." And so you just click it, and it just like guides you along like the normal quest markers. Oh, that was yeah. weird too. It started. It started out with the, with a fast travel where first you have to buy. You have, it's a consumable. At first, I was like, "This is dumb. It should not be a consumable." Every other game. Then I'm like, "Okay." Maybe it's okay that it's a consumable. That, you know, it's, they're doing something a little different. And then I get to a, a person and they're like, here, you can buy the unlimited one. And I'm like, ouch. <laughs> Make up your mind. It, it worked out well, I think, to give you pacing in the early part of the game to be like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to explore the world because you can't just literally hopscotch your way across it. And then as you get further into it, it's like if you want to speed up that travel between as you're kind of backtracking recognizing that players are some players are going to want to collect everything all right here's a way to make that a little bit more seamless like a lot of that stuff that's what the quest and the errands and creating jobs all served with respect to the player maybe not narratively but strong respect to my time and like all right you want to get in and do some stuff well here's a way that you can do that and get to the good parts of the game quickest like if you want to get to a hunting ground what did you think about the fast travel system, Rihanna? I liked it. I thought the campfires were spaced sort of awkwardly at first until I started just grabbing a mount and riding throughout the world. And then I realized they're optimally placed to just travel Every 10 to feet a, apart? Well, just yeah. to travel to a <laughs> type too of many of them. Like, so if, it made it really easy uh, to farm. Like, say you just need a bunch of scrapper parts. Like, you could remember which campfire is near the scrapper site that you saw whenever and then just go straight to it and farm those scrappers and then go to another one i thought that was really really useful these main quests came back together as hades and his crew are trying to attack meridian and her tower they call it the spire, in the yeah, spire. i just always tribal the spire, language yeah. so in the lead up to the night before the the big attack, there's this total like Mass Effect three scene oh, yeah. where it's like everybody you've ever known in the universe oh, yeah. all comes yeah. back together to and kumbaya. you should go talk to them. Yeah. And is your Galactus readiness rating high enough to attack the uh, for this attack final attack? It's like oh, that's too funny. Okay, <laughs> that's actually pretty, yeah. Here's all the characters you met across the world. Well, I thought it was interesting because it was. Aaron and Varl, I guess the two dudes who wanted to bone you the most that you wanted to talk to. <laughs> what? Did anybody else Go catch on? that? I did no, not. I did not, not catch I did that. Not. I mean, think of like yeah. Aaron obviously hit on you every time you spoke, and yep. then Varl kind of liked you from the beginning because you saved his life and everything. And those are the two people. Who I mean, I would say that. Yeah, that's true. That so true. I would say the Sun King would be above those two. And, and she, the Sun. No, she cut him he, off. She, she just, yeah, but she like straight up called up. She's like, nah, nah, dude. It's like not gonna happen, dude. And this is why we need more women on the podcast. Sorry, I, I guess maybe as some texts like, aimed at me. Huh. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So you go through. You Varl was Varl. I I relate to Varl. Yeah, at the, well, he's from like, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guy, he's to be fewer than me. <laughs> He sounds too much like Joe from Family Guy. So you go through, you meet everybody, and then there's the final attack the day of. There's a fight on the edge of the town. You're on the stairs of the castle wall. <laughs> so she name. fights him. 
So you fight one final, what do you call it? Death Eater? Death, Deathbringer? Deathbringer. Deathbringer, yeah. Death Eater. Big war wrong, machine. Wrong, wrong game. series. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, one was apparently inhabited by Hades. And you do the big final fight, get some help from your friends, and then... Then you stab it in the face. Stab it in the face. And there's a post credit sequence where you figure out that Silence, the guy who we barely talked about... Who was, really it was super to integral story. to Aloy's yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> we did Mind rush you. over him a little. Mind yeah. you. Silence is this guy that has a, a passion for learning. And yeah. the way he chooses to exercise that passion is by waking up really old and ancient machines to things up yeah like he's definitely an explorer yes and he's definitely looked through all of the ruins he can find and mm-hmm. learned a lot about the events yeah. that led up to he was he was one of the, the ones world. that that found the first focuses mm-hmm. uh, so and he networked them yeah he found the focus he had to repair it himself and surprisingly really smart guy yes yeah. surprisingly yeah. smart guy has a bunch of wires going through his skin. Weird. So he is has- he really smart, or is he stumbled upon this? Hades told him all the stuff, and then he kind of he <laughs> kind of learned by that. So he by his as a network, that yeah. seems like a pretty yeah. He's, column he's a, pretty column B. We also learn eventually that his aesthetic leads us to think that he is from the Banuk tribe because those are the only ones that have the wires going through their skin and he has wires going yeah, through his skin. Yeah, but I never thought of him being Banuk. But yeah, it's, it's true. Independent. What I was getting at is that the Banuk tribe worships the machines as kind of like gods or spirits or in a very shamanistic it's way. It's very Native American where they have this kind of symbiotic, sure. not, this nature where it's like, Worship them not as their gods, but it's like they, they have this respect. It's like the spirit animal. Right. And so they, it's, think, of, it's they a, think of the machines yeah. like Native Americans think of spirit animals. Right. So from that foundation, it seems that Silence went out to the world and tried to find out more about these spirits and these machines. He finds Hades and, and this machine, and he helps it build a cult around oh. it. He mm-hmm. inserted a back door so, that, so he heard Hades' command to the... Shadow Karja. Dude. I oh, forgot Helis. his name. Yeah. To heal us to essentially kill Silence. So he got away. Yeah. All this to come back to the final stinger yes. is Helix going and picking up the remains of Hades, sticking them in a jar. Silence. And then t- a lantern. Silence. You said okay. It looks like a lantern thing. It looks like, like a, a green lantern kind of. Yeah. Red <laughs> the part about the stinger that irks me a little bit is that at the beginning of the stinger, we see... Hades's orb at the bottom of Minerva's tower and these three random dudes that don't look like Karja and don't look like anything else either hmm. like they have different clothes just walk up to it and start poking at it without really knowing what's going on and there seems to be either some time has passed or something else has occurred to not have this in the societal memory anymore that this is a bad thing so they wake up hades again ish and Hades goes flying off in a very non-scientific way <laughs> and eventually finds silence and, and his lantern see i interpreted so they- that a little differently like from what i was seeing it seemed almost as though some people were poking at it had no idea what they're yeah. looking at and i do remember that silence is the one who gave aloy the rod that she actually ended up killing Hades with. Mm-hmm. I thought at some point he had programmed it so that he could recall Hades and that oh, he was sort of as a beacon opening this cage for Hades's orb and then bring calling it to him. So the fact that the three people were there is, is incidental. I thought so. Okay. I thought it was a little bit of a mislead, but again, it 
doesn't explain any of this. We'll, yeah. we'll find out in the sequel. So he does. They will definitely defini- make a sequel. They are definitely sequel. bring up that he is being guided by the ex- outside force. Yes, which I swear is aliens. You guys, are it's not aliens. It's, it's totally. It's aliens. the moon. I'll give you twenty bucks if it is aliens. I mean, it, it can be. It's unknown. It's so it, it can be. Un- it could be <laughs> alien, but te- it is never. Are you on? Are you on alien or not alien, Craig? Not alien. I'll I'll double Esteban's. (laughs) So we will give you forty bucks if it turns out to be aliens. Yeah, it's not aliens. It's totally aliens. They went through a lot of world building to ensure that hey, this is humanity's own problem. Built this, and our own ingenuity solved it. And the only thing we didn't think about was aliens coming (laughs) fucking up. (laughs) (laughs) That that well, we started fucking it up ourselves. I'm not saying it's not aliens because it's not aliens. I've seen stupid games do dumb narrative things like it's that dumb. but it's not a stupid game that that would make <laughs> that would make this this good story really bad that would be like okay you just screwed it and just all right cancel this this game because this is so aliens far is in the future this would be it's perfect not aliens. For... it's not aliens. anyway it's aliens did anybody at any time really trust silent and not think no. that he was no, going to do this of course not no, he he was always shady. Yeah, he was always shady. It just I didn't seemed know. really bad. Like I was just like, He's come on, every time. Not to trust but him. even yeah. regardless of Very that, true. Even regardless of that, like I, there was never a point where, like, even there were things like he would do, like help you, and you're like, oh. You know, this is supposed to be where you, where you you trust him, and you think he, you know, he's just, you know, okay, he's looking out for himself, but he's not going to be the guy at the end that's going to do this to get Hades. It and felt like he was doing enough to at least prove that. Maybe your enemy of my enemy is my friend type situation where it's like, all right, we're, yeah. maybe we're not heading for the same thing, but our paths align enough that I can trust you enough that you're going to help get me to the answers that I want. But it never seemed like Aloy became ignorant and was like, oh, silence, how did you do this? It was like, she was like, no. dude, I'm not a fan of you either. You're Stop cutting into my life and then cutting out. If you're going to help me, help yeah. me. If you're not, I mean, I, at the same off. time. Aloy never finds out in the storyline that the stinger happened. There's right. zero indication that. Yeah, no, she does not. She's knows. not aware of it. Which, but she knows that Silence started the eclipse and that occult yes. portion of. So she knows that he's done bad shit. And he said he would do it again. Yes. Yes. In the search of knowledge, because his his purpose, <laughs> his his driving force is the acquisition of knowledge. Absolutely. And when he found out through Aloy that the vast repository of knowledge of the ancients, a.k.a. Apollo, had been destroyed, he was like, well, shit, okay, well, I'm going to go my own way now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go find a different way to acquire the knowledge that I'm seeking. Which helps explain a little bit about why he wanted Hades back, right? Hades could help tell him some of that. All right, so, Brian, why are you calling this a fake open world? It's a typical problem of most open world games. It's not limited to this game but this game falls exactly into it where they give you this oh it's this open world you can explore well it kind of is most of your stuff is gated where you first meet the corruptor you know the the battle at mother's heart and you finally get to override machines and then it's like now you're a seeker you can go anywhere great this is where it's going to open up oh no i still guys are at the gates telling me no you can't go here yet which just means hey you haven't hit that part of the story yet and it's just like it's open world ish, but it's still not 
and then even past that, okay, I did. So I played the game where, like Will was saying, the opposite, where Will did the, he just went and mainlined it and then circled back. So I did everything else. I did all the side stuff, all the hunting, all the errands, all the, all that stuff. I found all the locations before I even touched Meridian the first time. Whoa. But like, mm-hmm. like even <laughs> going through some, some of the stuff, oh, it's open, but it's like, oh, yeah, you can't really come back later and then do the, it's, it suffers from that same problem of open, like, the uh, open world is not open. I think it's pretty damn open. And yeah, I'm curious I think what you guys All of the stuff to kind of give you a cohesive story. Oh, and the worst part was the ruins prime, the one all the way up in the snow mountains. Mm-hmm. Gaia prime. I went there because I saw it on the map. It shows you the little icon that says, here's the ruins. Yep. You go there and I climb up the, the foothold that like you're climbing. And then I get to this point, I'm, I'm right on the map and I'm like, I can't go anywhere. I can't figure yep. out how to get in. Yeah. Yep. I sat Doors there locked. for like a half, at, there's no door. <laughs> Once you get to the story part, Cylons creates a ladder for you to climb up. Yep. And I was like, oh, oh my God. That's right. like, yeah. That's yeah, terrible. I stumbled up there as well. Like I was sitting there for a half hour trying to figure I was jumping all over the place. Like they could have like, oh. does a story mission a little bit. Aloy does tell you as soon as you get there, it's like, I guess I can't get in here yet. Oh, oh I must have yeah, missed. I think she like, does I mean, make an offhand remark. But that's terrible. That's a terrible thing. Like, yeah. oh I guess like it's it's open world, right? Like there's it's supposed to be like I think you just described an open world. But that's what I mean. You're it's supposed to be open, right? Like how in, in our world, right? If I want to go to Paris I can go to Paris regardless of whatever my objectives are. Yeah, right? but if you wanted to go to the, my, the apartment next door, you're not getting in there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Unless you're story. But I'm not getting in there because somebody's not letting me in. Not because right. I can't go point. there, right? That's funny argument. And Silence like, didn't put his ladder out so you nobody can get up sit, to his area. And, and nobody was sitting in the room. Like, so, so, I mean, it's, I think it's story a content. Yeah, they have to find a way to gate it. But that's the problem. Point. They don't. like. Yeah, they didn't do it very well. If, if you didn't know that's that you literally were supposed the, to be there. That's the only example I can think of in the game where, to everyone's point i i also went up there and i was like oh all right well clearly i'm not supposed to go further in this but i didn't run into any other portion in the game where i was gated from accessing something i i guess maybe i never pushed to the fringes as far as you did i did Um, it in the shadow card but i felt like that it was pretty good about like hey you're not supposed to be here yet just go it's like it's gonna be really bad for you if you go in here yeah i'm sure that you still can go in there they just don't want you to see the end of the story if you look at like (laughs) what was the fallout 3 you can totally skip 90 percent of the story if you just go to the end point it makes that you just don't get the story it's a horrible way to play the game but that's the thing if if you want to play it that way you should play it that way like but that's not what i want to do i want to play the story (laughs) okay yeah it's like i don't want to nobody's telling you you nobody's telling you I don't want to to. accidentally miss the entire story. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. I think they do a pretty good job of feathering you away from it without being a red heron. Like, as you go over there and you hear it over, silence comes over and he's like, yo, don't go there yet. Nah, not yet. And that's kind of enough to be like, all right, well, I'll peel off and go in a different direction. As opposed to if you just wandered in there and it gave no context to why that area is more dangerous and you just died or you just saw something that you shouldn't at that point like at least they made an effort to to point it out there's a really fun quote as you're going up to silence's cave right there next to the grandmother's heart or whatever gaia prime yeah gaia prime (laughs) grandmother's Um, heart Like grandma's, I almost corrected you as as mother's heart. I'm like, no, wait a second. Silence's cave. That's not mother's heart. That's Gaia Prime. Anyway, know? she's like, she says something along the lines of, "There's all these fucking robots right outside your base. What the fuck, man? Yeah, Why didn't you just clear these awesome. out?" And he says 
since when were the machines a problem for you? If you could fly, I wouldn't have bothered with a climbing path either. <laughs> yeah, yep. I remember that line. <laughs> yep, that was. How do Cylons get up there? Because he, he never, he doesn't put the ladder until you go there. So, is he, or is he just putting a ladder up and then taking it down after? Maybe he, he flies. I think he overrides <laughs> a glint hog and just. Yeah. There you go. Not a bad idea. Although, he but, except he doesn't know how to override yeah. machines until he learns from you. Yeah. No, he can override. He overrode the. Yes, but he learned it from you. He tells you that because you ask him specifically, like, "How did you do that?" You're like, "Oh, yeah, I've seen it through your focus." That is a good point. I didn't catch that. One thing that I thought you were going to say about the fake open world is that there are spots where you can go off map. It's very jarring. Oh, really? When you get there. What? Because it tells you, oh, you are going off map. Oh, you yeah. really shouldn't be here. But that's we every, are going uh, to I reload your, your last But that's save. every game. I mean, where even in the like, world did it, you find that? Yeah. If you just go to the edge there? of a screen. Just go, uh, just go to an edge. Yeah, just go to the edge. It's a, it's huh. a typical, like, every, like most there, games do There that. were like, one hey, or two of, like, the Banuke totems. Yeah. That were really close to yeah. the edge. Yeah. I'm like, I oh, thought I was supposed proud. to go around and like reload. Like, ah, god damn it. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I usually was able to correct myself back before it would reload me, but I can't fault them for that because at some point you have to, you can't just have an infinite. I understand space. that. So you have but to. They, for most, if not all of these areas, there was geography that would, that should have stopped <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. So you guys want to talk about the graphics real quick? It's beautiful. Sure. So I was curious if anyone messed with the photo mode at all, and also kind of what your guys' favorite geographic area was within the game, because I think they did a pretty bang-up job of creating a lot of different ecosystems. So I think the interesting thing to bring up with the photo mode, after we had already finished the game, after that there's a big patch to this game, which added a whole bunch of extra features to the photo mode. Yeah, you can make like Aloy look at the camera and do different poses. It wasn't take it, off. It wasn't that big. It wasn't that okay. okay. It was okay. Cool. I mean, it's like oh, there's one where she holds her hands like a heart. So it's like, that's adorable. Selfie mode. <laughs> okay, that's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, there were points okay. when I was using the photo mode where I was like, I wish I had more control of what Aloy was doing. I did mess with the photo mode, and if I had the ability to manipulate Aloy, which I think is what they added a bit of in the patch, instead of trying to get her to stand in the right area. It's interesting that that's the thing they decided to enhance. The one other thing that I want to mention about the graphics that I thought was interesting and I saw mentioned afterwards, throughout different parts of the world, I think this might be one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, to be honest. There were portions, especially when the night was kind of creeping over and like there's like fog crossing over the water or as you're in the forest or even when the snow kind of starts, they mentioned they were influenced by BBC Planet Earth. Within those documentaries, they get to show off the best parts of the world and when they look in their most striking. So they said they manipulated the game so they would pretty much always be offering that. So if it's at night, you're always going to have the moon kind of going across the sky, providing the best lighting and the most dramatic effects. And I think they termed it hyper-realism, so it was mm-hmm. going a step past it. And, and there's just so many different points in the game where literally I just was, took a step back as I came around a corner or as the weather was shifting, and I was just kind of taken aback by how good it did look and how just incredible all of the different pieces were coming together. We should also mention that I don't think any of us experienced it this way, but a lot of podcasts and things have been talking about how this game in particular is almost like the showcase for how good HDR games can look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have an HDR capable set to even play anything on, but I will mention that I saw this game 
running at PSX in December of last year on an HDR 4K TV, and it, the contrast was incredible. So, Brian, you had a couple of questions. Well, we can. It's a follow up to what we were talking about about the post. Well, the stinger. Is it post credit or it's, it's called? A, it's officially called the stinger. It was uh, post credits. Uh, yes, so it's a stinger. But was this originally? Does anybody think that this was originally planned? Yes. It seems to me to start off that the creator of Killzone making an RPG to everybody was let's see what this is, and then E three twenty fifteen. They showed the first semi-in-game play footage. Yep. And everybody was like, holy cow, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I think they didn't realize what they had on their hands. And I think they went back and a number, I think a number of the delays were like, hey, how can we make this into a franchise? And I wonder, and it just seems like the ending was kind of tacked on. It didn't seem like it flowed really well. It seemed like it was like, oh, you're supposed to kill this. And then all, and like they kept saying, it'll shut down the, the master program or whatever they master are. Override. Yeah. That was going to shut down Hades. But then somehow mm -hmm. Hades is still alive and now it's getting called in. And then it, I don't know. To me, it's. it's silence it, it, Lantern. Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're it, saying. It totally it. seems like they went back and tacked this on after the fact. And I don't, and it didn't seem like this was originally planned. I totally like Rihanna's headcanon that Silence totally did something to make sabotage his own spear or whatever. Yeah. But the spear didn't have anything. It was the the program you you put on it. This the spear I mean unless he had something else in the spear. But all of this tech is wireless, right? The focuses are, are wireless and we have a wireless network. So the the idea that Silence could have hijacked the master control. Yeah, but I don't know if he needs the spear to do it. That's what I'm saying. Like he could have just done no, it. No, fair. Fair. But Brianna's headcanon is, is, I think, as close as we're going to get for uh, Yeah, now. I mean, that's... I feel like because they spent the minimal effort to make it a part of the story, like, 15 hours into the 30-hour story, where they said something came in and caused this, and then mm -hmm. you just forget about what the hell that was, I felt like that was as good a balance as I could expect of, I need to set up a sequel, but I don't want it to take over the story. But was that planned from the beginning, a lot of games struggle with this, right? You gotta look like like forever. There was a game called Sin Episodes, Episode One. It's the only episode that's come <laughs> out. Half Life Two has supposed to have had three episodes, and we're on Episode Two for ten years, fifteen that's, years now. Like Half Life is a Half Life is a special exception. Three. Like yeah. there's that's kind of just Valve, you know. Valve can't count to three, well, and also it? Valve just the big middle finger to everybody because Valve doesn't care. D yeah. D four was the Connect game that was supposed to be one of a five part series, and they advertised themselves as one of a five part series and never had any sequel. Yeah, like, but to be fair, D four nobody was nobody was looking at D four and was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I can't this is, I can't wait for this huge massive universe people were like okay it's d4 <laughs> i i mean what's the one where you're four people hunting a monster evolve yeah evolve they wanted to be like oh we are the next big esports game and yeah. everybody was like nah, i don't think so nope i think that all of these things are related because the developer has to come up with a strategy where it'd be like okay we want this to be the next big thing but if it's not how do we deliver something that people aren't going to be pissed off absolutely about? i think this was Definitely pitched to Sony, you know, six, seven years ago as the new franchise. And they had to go in with the confidence that they could support a sequel. I think it was a little bit baked mm. into the story, maybe not integral, but they definitely set up Silence as an unreliable character. And throughout the story, 
you sort of believe he has the ability to sort of sabotage everything that's happening. And the stinger at the end showed sort of that payoff. At least I was convinced that they had thought of it from the beginning and the way that they treated him and the way that he functions in the story. Um, also knowing the background that Sony needed a new hero for their next set of consoles. So to answer your question, yeah, I thought they thought from the beginning that this was mm. going to be a I mean, if they did, then that was poor, because that was a poor... <laughs> but having said that, do you even need a stinger at that point? Because there were enough open, unanswered no, questions in the it. Well, in that's the what I mean. Like, they, it seems like they tacked this on as a, like, hey, yeah, we know people now are really looking forward to this. We're going to make sure that you know that, yeah, this is the start of something. Whereas, okay. like, like, like the opposite would be something like Last of Us. Like that thing ended, ended, yeah, ended. There's no reason yeah, for a sequel, and now they're putting a sequel out. That's the alternative. I feel like putting some indication that there could be some way you could go in a sequel is much better than just but you, you sticking have, this on at the you end. You have enough hooks in the main story without the stinger to... Well, I think that's what Will's saying. Like, you don't need this stinger. It could have just... I and mean, that's what I, I've been saying, too. Like, it seems like, oh, my God, this is way bigger than we thought it would be. They might have thought, hey, yeah, this is fine. Maybe if it, if it does well, maybe we'll do a sequel. But I think they were very shocked that it became a tentpole game. And it really is. This became the face of PlayStation 4 generation for, for Sony. And like, oh, don't worry. There was a sequel coming. Look, we're going to throw it in your face at the end. I kind of like the ending ha- with Aloy going to Elizabeth's house mm-hmm. and, and like seeing her grave and like, or what is ostensibly her grave. And like, I kind of like that. Like, I would have just ended it there. It's like, a beautiful ending. Like this. this and they technically do. I mean, if you don't stick around mm-hmm. for half an hour going through credits then you that's all you the see credits, though. Hmm? you can skip the credits you can you absolutely can but i was afraid because some games have taught <laughs> us that if you skip if you skip credits you don't get the trophy for going yep. through all the credits i liked the so we have him as the ai's as caretakers i think there's only really the one apparently yeah there's only Do one I ai know. at least at the beginning there's really one only one ai gaia um, but i like the separation of powers between her Functions, I guess we were mm-hmm. calling them. Subroutines. Subroutines is what they're called in the game. Yes. I also liked that it's kind of a throwaway line, but there apparently is a scale to AI-ness mm-hmm. in this universe. Gaia starts off as a 0.8 Turing entity, and Dr. Sobek wanted to bring her up to at least 1.2, and then the, the limit or the, the then current record was 1.28, so she was like... Oh, if I bring her up to 1.3, you know, such and such as record be damned. So, like, hyper-intelligent. 1.0 being can pass the Turing test. And then anything beyond that would be more intelligent than a human. That's interesting. I didn't catch that. Yeah. It's kind of a throwaway line somewhere in the the initial introduction of Gaia as an AI. But yeah, I, I just find the concept of having a caretaker AI a very interesting one. Oh, it kind of fits with the limitations of the setting in that... There really wasn't any other way to have an entity live for so long if it wasn't an artificial construct. Like there, there's also another instance where they talk about this concept of a uh, kind of caretaker humans, but not really. They would be clones of the original alphas, but they quickly scrapped that idea because it wasn't it wasn't fully viable. I think it's also interesting that in Gaia's case, Dr. Sobek also made a point to program her with empathy, which is something that like in the end scene, sort of when 
she's talking to Gaia about the daughter that she would imagine. She said something about, I want her to care and make the world a little better. And I think it's interesting she put those attributes in Gaia almost as if Gaia was her daughter. Yeah, Gaia's, Gaia was the daughter that she never had. Yeah. It's uh, the daughter that she created and it as comes, a surrogate. It comes back around in the end where she cannot calculate a solution to her problem in you know in the milliseconds that mm-hmm. that piece of the story happens and so her only like solution is to go on blind faith with what the one person who who she thinks might be able to figure it out like i, I think that's cool yeah at one point she even says to her guy's imagination which sounds weird but her speaking to dr sobek she's saying i know you and for an ai to say that about a human i thought was pretty poignant Speaking of the same wavelength, I think it's interesting also not just that the AI is created that they not just that they needed something to, to live long enough to solve the problem because you know they couldn't break the code they needed hundreds of years to get the back door into the Pharaoh robots, but also to break the crypto. So yeah, it's like just in modern days, it's like this two hundred fifty six bit cipher will take I don't know hundreds and hundreds of years. And yeah. Like literally, they needed to wait hundreds and hundreds of years to break this particular crypto cipher. But I also like that the there's the irony in it of how do we beat an AI machine? Oh, let's build another a- mm-hmm. AI machine. So they're basically they're using the same thing that doomed them to save them, which is kind of key to why. At least I did. Started feeling guilty about killing the monsters you were coming across because you're like, oh, these are the ones that are working on rebuilding the world, yep. and I'm just slaughtering them as we go along. Well, so that's interesting, right? Because they were made to do that, but Hades has taken them over. That's why they're aggressive towards you. Because it was like 20 years ago, you would get this lease from like people you would talk to, and, and they'd be like, oh, Hunter, how are you doing? And you're like, oh yeah, I don't have a problem killing any of these things. They're easy to kill. Is what not like. I don't have problems, like, morally. But you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm doing fine. I can handle myself. And they'd be like, yeah, you know, I used to go out and collect this or take my trade out this way, but now I can't go there because now there's the machines there. And 20 years ago, it never was like that. And now, ever since that, what, I forget that they used to... The derangement, the derangement of the machines. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting moral dilemma. Are you killing machines that have been not fully corrupted, but corrupted? Or... Or are they still, like... I mean, their original purpose was to fix the problems of the planet. And you can see most of them are, like... Some of them are, like, attack machines, but most of them, for the, a large portion, are, like, would, would be considered, like, docile, like... Well, yeah, the, like, you know, we, we, we see the deer analogs and the horse analogs. Those are, those are supposed to be passive and doing yeah. maybe soil aeration or whatever else it is <laughs> yeah, that they're yeah. doing but it wasn't actually hades that took over those those machines in the it was actually the the hephaestus subroutine that that was left in in charge of of those cauldrons and and that specific subroutine was the cause of the derangement because they didn't know they didn't have a direction from gaia anymore on what to build so they just started building <laughs> i forget where but it was a, another throwaway line where they're like oh it was f- you guys probably didn't because you guys didn't do the crazy guy who drinks the machine no i'll have no. to go and uh, back and, <laughs> uh, and no, do that i one. think that's <laughs> where i think that's where it is and he talks about how it's afraid of, of humans and how i think it might be the thunder jar or something and how the cauldrons had to build bigger stronger more vicious machines to protect themselves from the humans who were hunting them mm-hmm. for like parts and to mm-hmm. like harvest so in order to oh, actually defend themselves from the human 
hunters, they had to build machines that were capable of taking out like the human. Oh, I see. That makes more sense now. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll, I'll definitely have to go back and, and do yeah, that, it's kind of a throwaway line, line, but like it's yeah, it's interesting to think like. I think it's interesting. I've been caught up on this idea in this story, and I'm not. It, it doesn't. It can't be unique. But there's just something about how in this story there's like this perfect timeline that was supposed to happen a thousand years ago at the time of the extinction level event a thousand years from there it's supposed to come back and there's like this perfect timeline that was supposed to happen Mm -hmm. but we're like smack dab in the Mm -hmm. middle of it Mm -hmm. that just it's a really weird and uncomfortable setup for a story that i really like i like that it's like here's the plan that didn't work yeah and you're like it's not like i don't know for some reason i'm like Whenever you see like zombie media, you're like, okay, here's what happened up until Z Day or whatever, right? And it feels like in those worlds, nobody ever made any plans <laughs> the day after Z Day, or right. or if they did, it was like the next week. There's not like you know these long ongoing processes that that still multi generational, multi century long yeah. plan to bring humanity back from extinction, essentially, and then that everything changes basically the day you're born Mm -hmm. and so it's like there's different levels of scale and all of a sudden those last 15 years are like it feels like kind of at a different like they talk about in the story like those first 400 years basically being equivalent to those last 15 and it's like weird seeing like the scale of time stretching and out and it and it feels like you're right in the middle of the story which i which i think was kind of weird and interesting about this game it almost feels like they spend a lot more time explaining to you what was supposed to happen 600 years from now than they really need to but it really makes you feel like no 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 this was the plan. This is mm-hmm. what we thought we were doing. This is why we got ourselves into this mess that feels like it builds that out way more than any other story I can kind of remember. Yeah, the, the, there's a lot of world building in this game. Like there's it's a it's a very well thought out plan on how to restore humanity. There's there's Gaia as the as the central brain. There's nine other subroutines. Each has a different function and what they were supposed to do. Like this is a relatively well thought out and very deep concept of of how to rebuild humanity. That um, all gets thrown away before we even start the game. Sure, like, but but, I, it, well, but it's there. I don't know before we start the game. Like I mean, the, the I think I it mean, had started. The plan has gone to shit. Mm-hmm. Sure. The the day you are born, the day the game starts, all of that plan is gone. It's like yeah, that's it's why you born to yeah. Well, it's fix it. you are born to fix the the anomaly, but at at the same time, I think Gaia was trying to figure out how to proceed with her programming within the limitations that she's working under. Like she's not supposed to talk to humans at all, yeah. Which is why she doesn't just take over Apollo's function because she can't. At the same time, I really like the fact that. During the design of this plan, the the game creators did some pretty good research on on what the available technologies are right now and and what's coming down within the next couple of decades. Going back to Apollo, the storage medium for for Apollo's knowledge is is DNA. Has actually been researched on recently, and, and there's some really good breakthroughs there. And like that, there's parallels in all of the other functions. So I really like the deepness of the story and the deepness of the world building that they tried to convey. Gaia is still <clears throat> naive to humanity in a way. 
because mm-hmm. when you finally find out how you were you were born and how Gaia wanted another Elizabeth Sobek, and she mentions, okay, this is the kind of basically the end of me, but I'm going to put you out there and humanity, you know, because of how she's thinking how she saw Elizabeth and how Elizabeth was this revered scientist engineer. She thought that Gaia just thought that like, Oh, humanity will adore you. They will protect you. They will fight. <laughs> and like, it turns out exactly the opposite. You're immediately the first people you come upon. I think you're this cursed abomination born from a demon. They exile <laughs> you. It's only because another exile has super kind of pity on you that he takes you under your, his wing and kind of trained you enough that you can survive. <clears throat> they could have easily killed Aloy right at the beginning. Sure. And actually, like, and actually hey, the this, one this, so this baby showed up uh, outside of the door. Let's let's kill it. And That's the what one matriarch, yeah. yeah. Gaia was completely wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> in her thought, but. That's what she thought, because that's the way she was created. Um, yeah, and not only that, but a million things could have happened between the time that Aloy was created or, or sent off to be born and the time that she was old enough to actually do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Very true. she could have fallen down a ledge and, you know, <laughs> well, she broke did. her neck. And Somebody could have like, thrown she, a rock she did and hit her in the head. For, yeah, except for break the neck, because she did fall in the rock. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But... <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a million and one things that, that could have happened. And the fact that Gaia decided to almost literally put all her eggs in one basket is, is surprising. Yeah. Her egg. Nice. <laughs> I try. Wow. It's a cloning thing. I know. Zygotes and whatnot. Yep. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. One janky thing that I did notice is sometimes it was funny when you would override uh, a machine like a Strider and you stick your um, staff in its butt. Instead of its face, because yeah. it's just facing the wrong way. Yeah, that was well, it's supposed hilarious. to. Be, I, think, I think it's supposed to be you're just touching any part of the machine. I don't think it has to be a specific. Yeah. When I was playing, I ended up going to the the Banuk site where the machines are docile mm-hmm. because this satellite oh, fell from creepy. the sky. Yeah. Because the, the satellite fell from the sky and was was transmitting something that that was making the machines docile, and during that quest. You're supposed to go up to where this satellite landed, or crashed, more specifically. And you see this signal coming from somewhere, and it turns out to be this this down satellite. My point is, however, that in order to get up there, there is apparently a clear path that I totally missed. (laughs) And I ended up going all the way around the damn mountain, and up and over. And it took me like... Yeah. half an hour just to do all the jumps necessary and yeah. i eventually got there and then on the way down i'm like oh well there's this like super easy path that would have taken me 30 seconds to go up on it's, over to the, the game suffers from the same usual uh. traverse climbing traversal which is like hey there's certain foothold paths that you can magically climb onto <laughs> but the thing is sometimes they're not they're tight and yellow just like sometimes sometimes white just like uncharted but yeah, sometimes or, they're just rock cliff things but they're still painted white or yellow my main issue with this game (laughs) is the inventory like i i had rage quit a couple of times because the game was forcing me to spend minutes upon minutes on just figuring out what i wanted to keep and what i wanted to throw away and how the inventory was very limited and how when I opened up a loot box, 
it went to the inventory and if i couldn't put it in the inventory the loot box wouldn't go away like it was it was just <laughs> busy work yeah that i really didn't i mean need. it's weird it's more realistic because in real in real life you're not gonna be like oh this is the stuff that is immediately it's supposed to be they're in a world where they're back to like tribal days right where it's like sure. everything i have we have to figure out what we can do with this and what we can make it into right so we don't sure. know oh this is just useless this i can't do anything with this but it looks pretty so somebody will buy it so that's more realistic but i understand what you mean it as a gameplay mechanic it's terrible when i have to go through every single resource and say like do i have enough of this do, oh, oh and there was no way to sort it yeah there's no like like efficient like, way uh, not not to get too far but like persona has a thing where it's like there's a thing that just says here's your treasures and that's all they're meant for is sure. just selling and you could just hit one button sells every all those things that don't have any use for anything except to sell for money. Yeah. Totally could have used that in this game, sell the but grades. it's not that, like, yeah, the, the, the realism is lax. I mean, but because, at the like, same time, it allowed me to keep 20 bundles of, of <laughs> sticks. It was like, that's not realistic at well, all. Well, the worst part is you couldn't sell the sticks that's because the, one that, because the merchants didn't, didn't want them. So you didn't, yes. so you had to drop them <laughs> yes. if you need, like I had times where I'm like, I'm running out of space and I have like, yeah, like so many bundles of sticks. I'm like, I just have to, Literally drop them and Again. maybe we should jump into combat because depending on how you play combat, if you do like a lot of bow, most of the arrows that you make need sticks and most of the resource upgrades require sticks. So I was primarily using the, I got a nice bow which had the, the breaker thing, the, what do you call it? The disassembly. The tear. Air, the tear arrows. Yes. That was one of the best, maybe the best weapon in the game. Precision <laughs> arrows were my best. Yeah, I saw between precision arrows and the the tear ones. Mm-hmm. The tear ones are great because you could like like thunder jaws, whatever. You could just yep. tear away their yeah. their guns and then just use them against them. Tear toward, away everything. Yes. Toward the end of the game, I was using Came way too easy. I had a what do you call that slingshot thing? Oh, the carger slingshot or the shadow carger slingshot. Shadow carger. They are with, called slingshots. Yes. Essentially, your grenade thrower. I had the the mods so that I could go either full lightning or full ice, and depending on what I was fight, fighting, if you did full ice or full lightning, you had to hit it like twice, and they would immediately shut down yeah. due to, yeah. to the Just elemental stuff. Strike. So it was like really I quick use, way. I use those so. a lot. The one that I used the least was the traps. I never used I, a trap, not once. Uh, I used the. I um, used them once on the. On do you the, mean the, the the traps that were the ones like, that you sit down? Yeah, they're I mean, your... do you mean like the ones that were the weapons, like the, the trap caster, or do you no, mean the ones that they're, they actually... No, 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 not the trap caster. The, they're in your D-pad wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah the D-pad wheel. One. Okay, yeah, I never used those at all. Oh, uh, I tried to, and it just... I used them once there is one... in the... When you rescue the the little kid, and, the little and, prince, and, and, the, and, the, queen. and, the, and the queen, yes. where there's this, it te- like, kill box. It tells you to place them. It's like, okay, place them before you... And I'm like, all right, sure, what the hell? I have max of them anyways. I never use them, so I was like, sure. I spent hours trying to fight Red Maw because I went into there with, like, no ammo and didn't want to... Go, that sounds like a bad idea. Didn't want to quit and go back. And so I did spend quite a lot of time like trying to set up traps for... It's the, the, it's the final thing of the hunting one. Yeah. I did it, everything but that. Did anyone else skip skip the blues? <laughs> skip the blues? Yeah, I you, did you know you have... You have I, I bought one. Oh, straight to purple. Yeah, straight to purple. <laughs> I bought one in the very beginning because... Well, you can't get you the purples until you get to the certain... I got one in a bunch I was stuff. using greens up until I got oh, I, I, the I just kept... I mean, again, shards were so plentiful that yeah. i just was like give me the give me everything of the best yeah i never quite made no. it to tinker so i wanted to keep my mods i didn't get rid of my better mods speaking of cool armor i'm assuming 
couple of us got the cyber armor stuff. Yes. Yeah. And then I was like, but I actually got it after the game. After I beat the game. Oh no, I used it for the the final fight. I got it. Oh, I didn't. Even, I, I did the final fight twice because I didn't have all of the sub quests done. Okay. I did it. Yeah. So the second time I did it with the cyber armor, and I was like, "Eh, this wasn't." It, it's it didn't not hard. Feel it. like I, it was cool, I, all that cooler. I think I had the. I think I was using the ranged You're basically armor. Basically invincible with the damn cyber armor. Yeah, though. you are. No, you are invincible. I mean, there's the recharge time. Sure, if you expend it, but the recharge time is what like five seconds. Yeah, I was gonna say like ten seconds. So <laughs> since you don't know about the cyber armor, so mm-hmm. the, the whole purpose of the cyber armor is you find out about it really early in the game. Right. You go right. down the bunker. You get the power and, cell, you put it in. Yeah, you, you have the power cell and you need to get like four, five, five six, eventually. Five. Five. You walk five, in the two begin- to get in the door and then three to power up the, the, the thing other that side. releases the armor. At any rate, you get these power cells throughout the game and you eventually four-fifths into the game you finally get the last power cell and you have you get them in the ruins and then this this power armor is super awesome you're invincible <laughs> while you're wearing it it does have a a great it runs out of charge sure so your invincibility wears off if you take too much damage but all you have to do to regain it is just go out of combat for a it's couple of seconds basically a halo it. shield yeah it's- yeah overshield I'm kind of glad I didn't get it till after I beat the game because I would have felt it would have made the game, which already wasn't super difficult, even. I was just hoping. What difficult did you play? Yeah, was everyone playing on normal? Yeah, I just played on normal. No, I played it on like one level, one or two. It's like it's four levels, right? Four. Yeah. So I played it on the hardest, next to last, the next to hardest. I did the same. Three out of four. Yeah. Because I watched somebody on before I bought the game, I watched somebody play it on on Twitch on the like extreme level. It's yeah. like, nope, that's too hard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it all just like depends on what you times. use. Like, like once I figured out for the first quarter to maybe half of of the of, of my time playing the game, never using arrows, solely doing stealth kills or setting up the tripcaster or whatever. Because I'm like, I don't know what the arrows. I don't really like the way it shoots. But then all of a sudden I just got the hang of like I got with it, like the hang of it the way they wanted you to shoot. Now this game is real easy because like again like the tearaway uh, arrows. There's also the, the corruptor arrows. Did anybody use those? A little, not those too much. Those were great. You could just you just see a whole packet of machines. You just fire them at a couple machines. They they kill each other. Like you don't even have to bother going and, and, oh, and like you know because it, it, it causes them to attack each other. And I then tried like, those particularly toward the end of the game and wasn't yeah, really happy. Like, oh, this makes like the game like way easy. And I'm like, okay, I could see that's how you you know you just do that and that's how you can beat the like super difficult. What I usually ended up doing towards the end of the game was since I already had all the cauldrons unlocked, I would just go in and turn one or yeah, two of, I, the, I would do that too. of the machines yep. and just let them tear away the rest. Yeah, I did the I same really thing like too. Because the, the corrupted or the overridden machines are stronger than the regular ones. They're s- way, way too way strong. <laughs> like, so I would override like one and they would I would override like a ravager and like it would take down four other ravagers yeah. and i'm like okay the tribes in this were pretty cool and they all had their own like in individual unique style mm-hmm. just kind of looking at brian's art book here there's like the eclipse the osram karja and the banuk you were telling us something particularly cool about the nora or- oh yeah so the the nora the reason for the name is that nora come from the norad complex in the cheyenne in cheyenne mountain in Colorado, which is where you start. So this world is set in on Earth and has real life markers as well. So 
Colorado is the first one that you that you find the the Cheyenne Mountain complex, and then you can kind of piece together where the rest of it is. Like you see Horseshoe Bend in the Grand Canyon, you see some stadium somewhere. Like you can piece together where the where it takes place pretty well. Like I since I figured out the the Nora one relatively early, I was trying to figure out where the like Karja name came from or yeah. the Osram name came from or the Banuk, but those those didn't at least for me didn't ring any bells. I thought it was so, kind of cool how each of the different I guess factions, is that the best way to describe them? Factions, tribes, um, whatever you want to call them. Sure. They sort of fell into familiar fantasy tropes like the Osram tinkers felt like dwarvish and then you have the, <laughs> oh, yeah. the Karja elves and then the shadow Karja dark elves. Huh. I thought that was kind of cool how it was totally not a high fantasy typical story, but it definitely fell into those tropes. Wow. I didn't even think of that. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. You know, I can, yeah. I can definitely see that. Not my original idea. Okay. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But I thought that was really still, neat. Still pretty cool. See, you were thinking about where these names came from. And it turned out the developer got into kind of some hot water here over some of their naming <laughs> stuff. Oh. oh, boy. Apparently, Brave is a very oh, specific yeah. title for members of... And I'm just going to screw this up because I don't know exactly who it was referring to. There are some Native American tribes that felt that this was particular to how they referred to their tribesmen, mm-hmm. tribes okay. people. And felt like... Specifically a fighting class. Yeah. And were upset that that's the name they chose for Horizon. And then there was a response that was kind of tone deaf. That was just like, hey, we just looked around and we wanted to find a cool word. And so this is the word we chose. And so that was kind of a a bit of a controversy coming up to the launch of this game. Not being a Native American myself, <laughs> it seemed like a pretty good generic term for what these people were doing, but I don't know. Did anybody else have any? Yeah, it seemed like, I mean, again, I don't imagine that they did it with any malice intended, but the, the response was less than accommodating, I would say. But I also thought it was interesting how they sort of took on an entire persona with specifically the Nora in that they they're very primitive they are sort of backwards compared to other people that they've already interacted with, like people from Meridian and some of the Karja. They sort of beholden to this deity that they don't understand to the point where one woman wants to kill a baby because she thinks it's a demon. It, it was sort of, I don't want to say negative, but it really put them in the most intelligent um, light, and I thought that was an interesting choice. Did you read, if you go to the, the settlement that's in the Karja land, but it's like, it's on the border of the Shadow Karja, it's where you, you meet that creepy guy who sends you on the errand to like find the, the super rare item, and then he tries to ambush you, and then eventually you talk to, you know, after you beat all his, his guys that are trying to kill you, you meet him back in Meridian, and then you tell him, like, hey, tell everybody about what I am, and I forget the guy's name. He's a kind of like a weasel guy. But anyways, it's not about that guy, but he's in that, that same settlement area. There is a, like, an inn there. You can't very really stay there, but you walk through it, and there is a one of those scan for, like, info things, and there's a whole thing about one of the traders talking about the Nora. It goes into real detail about... They're all tribes, right? And they're all supposed to be primitive because, you know, again, Apollo didn't exist, so they're back to square one. But it talks to the Nora or, like, the primitives. They're the ones that are, like, we are civilized, and these Nora are crazy. Like, oh, you really want to know about the Nora? Well, I was there, and I saw them, and then, like, when I tried to get 
even close to one of their settlements, these rain of arrows started flying at me and I had to back off. And they have a, a weird society where, because like the Karja are patriarchal, but the Nora or matriarch sort of talks about like, oh, they have this weird society where mm-hmm. the women are celebrated. And so they have this whole like, even in the world of everybody starting from scratch, the Nora want to be by themselves and they're considered to be like, oh, they're primitive. Right. When really, you know, like when it's like, everybody's kind of primitive. I think it's interesting. And this struck me when she went back to Mother's Heart and was allowed entry. And this is way later in the story. She comes out and Lancera, the matriarch who wanted to kill her in the beginning and didn't want her to go in towards the end, is the first one to bow down and say, forgive, forgive. You are anointed. that so much. And everyone starts (laughs) bowing to Aloy and they're saying, save us, save us. And she rejects them. And is very. I loved that part. Very, just like really after all this bullshit. Just fuck you guys, seriously. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was just interesting that like her arc isn't really touched on in the story directly, but there are some conversations points that you can bring up where somebody says you're from the Nora, and you can say I'm not from there. They rejected me. Or that's the hunting you lodge. Claim them. You're yeah. you're the thrush. I think it's the, the thrush is the underling. Yeah, that's who you are. And then yeah. you're the lady who's what do they call it? the hawk? Yeah, the hawk. Because then the sun yeah, hawk is the, the uh, sun hawk. That's the leader. Is the is the supreme leader? She says Aloy of the Nora, and, and she's like, well, I'm not really of the Nora. I was exiled. So you know, then she mm-hmm. starts calling you like afterwards, like. Aloy, not of the you know. <laughs> Aloy, despite yeah. the Nora. Oh, yeah, despite, despite yeah. the Nora. Yes. Like, I, I exactly love that on, interaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that I, was interesting. I just got of the Nora like 10 days ago when this when this whole thing started. But the, the fact that she, you know, she accepts that she is not quite Nora, but at the same time, it's the closest thing that she's known. Um, and to everybody through, else outside of the Nora, they just see her clothes because she's brought she was still brought up in that yes. that culture so they just say and they don't know the Nora and that's part of the other of the, of the and the technically neither like, does Aloy yeah True. so the, they just see like oh we, this is this is what we know is Nora so she's mm-hmm. Nora and yeah. they just see her as that but like yeah they don't really know like oh wait a minute no she's totally not right them. and and somebody like the hawk that actually takes their time to know Aloy through their interactions over the course of many days then they finally get to see who who Aloy really is and and the fact that sure she is superficially Nora but in reality she's her own person yeah because she was not shaped within the Nora culture as a normal Nora like she has some exposure to it through us but but yeah she was brought up in their the sphere of influence yeah Yeah. their influence but she is not she was never a part right. of their tribe. But I really like that progression of that relationship between Aloy and her hawk in that at yeah. the end, the hawk is like, no, Aloy, despite the Nora, yeah. is, is the person that I actually know. Right? I thought it was a, a nice allegory for like forging your own path and mm-hmm. becoming an independent person, also for prejudice. like It was something that yeah. was really strongly influencing a lot of these characters. So speaking of really cool and interesting interactions what did you guys think about the guy who helped you clear out bandit camps oh my god (laughs) yeah that guy oh i forgot about did you fight him at the end i didn't i I did did not not. he was damn it somebody pissed at me what happens he was so angry that i wouldn't fight him. yes that was great did you get to the end i didn't i Uh, i abandoned the bandit camps so after you clear out all the bandit camps Mm -hmm. and he's always talking to me like yeah. He likes to kill, I kill for fun. I just kill for 
because I like killing people. Weird. And he's just like, because they're the uh, ultimate prey. That's, yeah. that's his whole thing. Yeah. And he's like, I kill bandits because people don't mind if I kill bandits. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. people get angry when I kill like Karja or I kill Osterum. <laughs> but if I kill bandits, nobody cares. So I kill bandits because they're the ultimate prey. They they react in a way that, that I find pleasurable. <laughs> Was so he supposed get to, to be? The, was he supposed to be with you on every bandit camp? Because he was only—he was mm-hmm. with me on the first one, and then he was only with me on the last one I ever did. He, so you I can definitely get, meet up with him three or four times. Hmm. So at the end of that story arc, he, you meet him on the top of the hill, and he's like, "All right, so we've killed all the bandits. So now you and I need to go one on one and figure out who is the best murderer." <laughs> oh wow! And. You basically get the choice there whether or not you do a one-on-one battle with him or just say, nope, I'm out, peace, <laughs> which, which it sounds like all of us did. Yeah. I, no one I, fought him? He is so mad that you won't fight him. <laughs> yeah, he's really pissed he, off. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's an insult. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like, it literally is. He respects your decision, but he's like, why Why would you not fight me? Like, why would am, you I, just, am I not good like, enough? Why would you understand. disgrace me? Yeah. He, yeah. It feels like it's a, a personal insult. Yeah. Like... Huh. Why would you disgrace me and my family like this? It's yeah, just I mean, like, he thinks like that's that's naturally what should happen, and like you're doing something that is out of the ordinary. Whereas, like mm-hmm. from what, the way I was looking at Aloy's perspective of it, it was like, no, that's crazy to, to for us to go fight to the death right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, but, like, and it's not just him, a fight of like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do knock each yeah, other sure. out. Like, yeah, it's to the it's death, to the death. <laughs> oh, but like to him, it was like. No, you're super crazy. You're messed yeah. up because you don't want to do this. Like, how can you be that way? <laughs> why would you? Do- yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Why would you be like that? Like, that is that's wrong. You have something like you have like this guy more- who you've seen the entire game is just fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. Thinks that you are the crazy one. <laughs> it's like, oh man. So that brings up kind of an interesting thought that is just hatching in my brain. So forgive me if it's not poised. But did Gaia really just kind of fuck up with the people and? Some of them are a little bit too crazy and should well, the world be reset? No. It, it wasn't her, her her responsibility to come up with like the perfect human. Like sure. that that was rejected by the guy in charge of the cloning yeah, process. Yeah, he does okay. mention that. Should we just but it's like no, we have to have people imperfect like we can't just yeah. generically and, alter them all to be like super smart and super strong and, and, and like, he's he's very strict about that role. Yes. Like to okay. the point where he's like I actually wrote the laws related yes. to the anti-cloning. So yeah, this yeah, is was, not a conversation that I'm going to have with you. It's mm. just the law. Yeah, he was like a professor and he went to like the equivalent of like a Geneva convention for, yeah. for cloning. And he talks about that this was before 30 years and before sure, that. Sure. And, and yeah, he mentions that I, made, I, I was the one that came up with the laws at the time that that is not allowed. And thus, we are not doing that in this program, like, regardless. And, and that is not a topic of a conversation yeah. that I want to start. So moving on. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, like, he's, he's very adamant about it. And his reasoning is, is fair in that, well, evolution should take care of, of that on its own. Mm-hmm. So we are repopulating the Earth with the, with the zygotes that we store, but we're not modifying them in any way, shape, or form. These are not clones. The only real exception to that is Aloy. Sure. Because of the, of the project that, or the, the sub-program within Zero Dawn. I forgot the actual name of it, but it was essentially a, a caretaker function for the alphas to live in perpetuity, essentially. Mm-hmm. They, sure. Like, they would... Every 50 or 60 years or whatever, they would spawn a new clone of themselves and teach them 
how to do that function of, of being an alpha and fix any problems that might arise. Mm. So they initially did it. So they have all the zygotes and all the, all the material, but they later abandoned it. But since the zygotes were already created, they might, they They're just, just put them out. in the, yeah, they just hang out and, and left them there. <laughs> but that's, that's how Aloy was created. But the other thing also is how people became what they are is there was two big events, right? One, the humans were released early because they ran out of food because it's called Mother's Heart, couldn't support them anymore. So they had to fend for themselves. They were not given any instruction. And two, Apollo, which was supposed to teach them how to create civilization, didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of like, hey, we're throwing, you know, you're getting like unintentionally thrown out into the world. Go figure it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. So then by just being regular humans, they kind of came up with that weird society of what they came up with. Sure. And spawning crazy people in the process. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the mechanics that I thought was really, really cool and really kind of kind of knew about it, but came back along at, at the end of the game is Aloy's conversations at Rost's grave. Mm. It's framed in the story that she is going back and talking to Rost about what's happened, what she's experienced. And so from the player's point of view, it's these perfect, like, previously on Horizon yeah, Zero Dawn, right? She's right like you pick up the game for after a couple of days. Yeah, I mean it would be perfect for that. It would it would be perfect for that other than like trying to figure out how to get back there and whatnot. But it's like it's her talking about her perception of what she saw in the story as this like therapeutic moment reaching out to somebody she's the only person who was ever really a person in her life for, you know, for most of her life. And it's these great touching moments about how she's talking to the past, talking to people. And then, you know, mechanically, the further you get in the game, new little story snippets open up at the grave. So, so you can get, go in through and talk through them all. I thought that was really, really cool. So I didn't uh, go through any of that. I didn't even know you could visit Ross's gravesite. So what are some of the things that come out of those conversations? Again, it's nothing really new. It's all stuff that you've seen before. Mm -hmm. It's just the, for me, it's just the tone of it and her relaying things from her point of view and her voice. Hey, I met, actually, right toward the end of the game, after you figure out that Silence has been watching her through her focus the whole time, before she goes to talk to Ross, she takes off the focus and puts it on the ground. She's like, I don't oh, want him listening to me. Nice that, that's another example of like how they're, they're all like interconnected. Hmm. And so, she, so if Silence has told her that, then she'll take it off. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he'll be listening to her through as she's talking about all the stuff. And, and there's also, it's not just a, a dry recounting of what I've done, but there's also some nuance there as to, you know, I wish you were here mm -hmm. and I wish you, I wish you were alive to experience this with me. I really wish I was talking to you, the person, not you, the, the body under this grave. And it just really shows that Aloy really loved Ross, yeah. not only as a as another human being, but essentially her parent. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could totally see it. Like, I've known people who are like, I go to my grandmother's grave and I talk yeah, to her and I tell her definitely. what happened. You know, my mother was the most important life person to me. So I go and I talk to her and like, like it was that real, like it would be really easy for you to get to the point in the game where it's like, okay, Ross dead. He doesn't matter anymore. And mm -hmm. Aloy will never talk about him again kind of thing. But this little aspect made it be like, yeah, he really was an important person in my life and I will continue to treat him like he was the foundation of, of her life. Where was his gravesite? So oh, okay. the, it's just right by the house. Here. She mentions it as 
right when you wake up, you ask one of the t- three matriarchs, what, what happened to Ross? And she's yeah. like, oh, we buried him next to your house. I see. And so you can go back and... Did they ever explain why he was exiled? After you come out of Mother's Heart, you can ask matriarch Teresa, is her name? Come out of Mother's Heart. So after you go in and you find out about... Oh, at the end of the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You can come okay. out and find out. Um, so remind me, why was he exiled? He was a brave, and he lived with his wife and child, and child. At, by like one of the borders of the Carter. And the Red Raids, which was when the Mad Sun King would come and raid the other tribes and take their people as human sacrifices in the Red Ring, he came and attacked them. And he took... Uh, Ross, I think, was out on a, I think a hunting expedition or something, or something. somewhere. And he took his wife and kid. Mm. And Not only that, but like... Most of the village. Yeah, most of well. the, the, like the settlement where they were. Yeah, it's the Forgotten Village or Forbidden Village or whatever yes, that, it's that called you hear the, about yeah, yeah. throughout the game. And it's that one. So what happens is the Braves that were out that came back, they were like one of the few people still alive, and they want to go and attack the party that came after them, but it's forbidden from in Nora Law to, to cross, to, yeah. to leave. So they're not allowed to. So what Rost does is he makes a bargain with the matriarchs and becomes, I forget what the term is, death something, where he's allowed to go and kill whoever, in this case it's the Red Raiders, but he has to die in the process. He's never allowed to come back. He is basically gone. Like from existence, so he he takes. Well, that, he, they're, he, they're not expected to come back. Like no, no, every other one, not, like they're they're literally considered. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're not. Dead. They're never supposed to return. Period. Yes, exactly. So he goes and he kills them, but he comes back, and since he comes back, he's not. Which he's not supposed to. The only way they allow him to so there's a be there small, is to be in exile. Yeah, there's a small nuance there in that. Yes, he's not allowed to come back at all. Period. So the last person that he went out to kill very gravely wounded him in the process. So his last wish was to die as close to Nora land as possible, as close to the mother as possible. So he, with his last legs, essentially walks back as close to Nora land as he can and essentially falls prone within like, I don't know, let's say 20 feet from the border or whatever. And one of the Nora Braves on a regular patrol finds him, pulls him in unconscious and takes him to, to Mother's Heart. And there he's, he's healed and, and taken care of and whatever. But then the matriarchs have this really hard decision to make of mm-hmm. like, technically, we're not, you're not allowed back here. And since you were, you're back here, you're supposed to be executed, <laughs> essentially. Oh, wow. So the compromise that they came to is, is what Brian just talked about, where he is exiled. He's still allowed in Nora territory, but he is is an exile as if he had broken law. But since he didn't willingly break the the Deathbringer's oath or whatever it is that the name, he wasn't sent away in like true true exile, which is what he was. He should have been. We talked briefly about a character you meet the day of. The trial, what's the trial called again? The proving. The 15th time. <laughs> proving. Jeez, man. The day of the proving, you run into a dude who's got a red focus on, mm. which is good. Well, he has a focus, period. Evil focus. Why do I remember the focuses are just gray squares, but why is his red and hers? Triangles, is? technically. When but Hades sure. is speaking to you, I think that's when it turned around. Yeah. All of Hades' corruption and influence is always red. So we meet Olin, who's. He's, uh, he seems like a cool dude, but he's been... fine. <laughs> kind 
kind but of ends weird. up being like he's, he's a another kind of side. explorer type person. You know, he delves into the ruins like a scrounger. of scrounger. Yeah. Yes, a scrounger. He That's delves into the fact. ruins of the ancients and tries to find trinkets for the wealthy Karja to own and and showcase. Because you know that's part of their their economy. The <laughs> the rich want trinkets, so he provides them trinkets. So over the course of the yep. story, you figure out that he's been manipulated because the bad guys have his family. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go and. So I think it's the first fight that you see the corruptors, if I'm not mistaken, and they're in sort of like a pit being dug up by the shadow Karja, and Olin is there speaking with them and. You can tell that there's some sort of negotiation happening, and he doesn't seem to be on board. Long story short, you kill all the people except for him and the machines, and when you face him, he's laying on the ground cowering and you know, begs you to be quick about it, and you have the decision to either kill him or let him go. He, he eventually tells you the, where his family is at, right? Yes, I don't and you know do if that that's afterwards. Before or after you make I think I think that's I think I feel like the it went down like this. At least that's how it went down in my head. He's like, "My family is here. Please go rescue my family now. Kill me as quick as you." Yeah, something you, like yes. that. Right. Okay, right. that that makes more sense. And it's a whole yeah. other side quest line. And, and so then you get to choose whether or not you save him or or kill him, right? So right. I let him live. Did anyone kill him? I let him live. I let him live. Oh, of course. Man. We're all goody two shoes. Darn here. it. I was hoping I could get the shadow storyline. <laughs> Aloy just seemed like an altogether nice person. I, yeah. I, she does murder lots of people, just she like does. any other video game protagonist. I... But she has reasons behind <laughs> it. And and sure, the killing Olin is is a totally legitimate course of action. He yeah. he did cause I don't know. He seemed like a cool guy the whole time. He did cause Ross's death. Which is the big one. And the death of all of the kids in The Proving and all of the braves that got sent after the killers of The Proving. So he is semi-directly responsible for those deaths. I mean, he did it all because they had his family, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and admit this. I pretty much only let him live because I thought he would do stuff for me. And I was a little disappointed. Fair enough. He well, does not do stuff for you. I, th- I think I remember the prompt said something like, you know, maybe you can do something to make up for your mistakes. And yes. I was like, oh, that means I'm going to get some inside trades or no. something. And it did not No, it off. was just the, the generic do Goodwill. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Did he show up in the final battle? He does not. I don't think so anyway. Does huh. nothing for you at all. Huh. Interesting. Only the, the actual fighters show up. Yeah, he was never a I just, fighter. I never felt like he was that bad dude. I just... I mean, wrong place, wrong time kind yeah. of deal, but yeah. still. I, yeah. He had a pretty tragic story, but I was disappointed that that decision didn't pay off in a more tangible way. And I really wanted to hear what it happened if you had chosen to use the fist option. <laughs> you die now. So there are a bunch of really cool names in this story. I loved the whole naming of Aloy in the very beginning. Was mm-hmm. there... What other kind of character names were were you thinking about, Esteban? Well, Ross and Aloy are, are the two main ones. Mm. But just to... Elizabeth, I liked, because yeah. it was yeah. like an, a, a modification of the obvious Elizabeth. Yes. But, you know, f- 60 years from now, we're probably going to, you know, the Twitterfication of America. <laughs> you got to drop all your extra... No, and, and, and there's there's a lot of those in naming in general. Is, is they, they are non-standard names like the the guy that that we were that we were talking about that that kills for sports his name is nil 
Mm. Yeah, that one was cool. And Nihilist, sort of. Yeah, Nihilist or, or Nil, the, the programming concept. Mm-hmm. So either of those is like a non-standard name that you wouldn't find really anywhere else. Silence was Silence great. was pretty good. She's like, what a perfect name for you. <laughs> yeah. snarky line that she had. Yes. When he wouldn't answer her. Yes. But yeah, I just think that the, the naming scheme is non-traditional, meaning non-modern names. Yeah. But at the same time, they are not fantasy names like we don't see i feel any, like they like also Elrons they do a, or... a good job of naming close to their cultures yes like mm. helis worship the sun was super into that culture yeah and all of the nora were kind of all they, they were less techie like the they ones you're talking techie. about yes mm-hmm. and more more down to earth yeah you had names again derval which is the oh yeah that guy the osiram warlord the, the jilted lover he has the jilted <laughs> lover. So you, you had the really interesting names is what I'm trying to get at. And and some of those were based on machine or programming concepts. And some of those, some of the others were just out of left field somewhere. I don't know if this happened many other times, but I did notice the sibling names with Varl and Varla and then Erend and Ursa, how they hmm. were so similar. And I didn't know if that was just because maybe when people are having babies, they didn't want to think that hard. Or <laughs> This one's kind of like the other one. I was on a podcast, uh, Hello Internet, if you've ever heard of that one. They were talking about how there is a trend that once a male name starts to become a female name, Mm -hmm. it never goes back. It doesn't go the opposite way. Yeah. Hmm. Like, so while we're thinking deeply, Esteban, why don't you tell us all your deep thoughts about this game? I, I really liked the storytelling aspects of this game. I like the the base story itself was really intriguing, really compelling. The amount of research that the game creators went through in order to build that compelling storyline was pretty impressive. And it showed in final product. At the same time, some of the systems, particularly around combat or inventory, could have used a little bit more polish. Inventory was very repetitive and tedious to manage the combat seemed almost unimportant at times Mm. like it was really easy to just kill anything (laughs) after you knew how there wasn't really that much challenge in the combat once you once you figured out what the the base attack patterns were but i think the the story and the the music and the graphical elements bring the game to a place that is compelling and a place that allows it to be a conversation starter for some of these themes that it's doing. I would definitely play it again, even though I don't usually replay games all that much. There are a few pieces that I would like a little bit more depth on, and I am waiting with bated breath on any any DLCs or any sequels that come out (laughs) in the same universe. Cool. So overall, with Horizon Zero Dawn, I came into it with high expectations because it checks a lot of the boxes that I look for when I'm... The games that I'm interested in is Uncharted being like one of my favorite in the last decade. And I was nervous to get let down as we've kind of been throughout this past generation of either new IPs not doing a lot of interesting things or older games. And I'm not sure that Horizon does a lot of interesting things that are brand new, but the world that it created was something that I wanted to inhabit and spend 40 or 50 hours in that I haven't had that experience in a very long time. Usually, you know, six, eight, ten hours in, I'm like, all right, ready to get done and kind of move on. But 
within the world that they created, I was I was fascinated by it. And as the game kind of continued to go on and we were reaching towards later story points of trying to understand what happened in the world, I was happy that they didn't just try and hold everything back, that they actually did start answering the questions that they asked at the beginning of the game. They didn't just leave those out there as like, well, clearly we want this to be a franchise, so we're not even going to attempt to answer these things, and we're going to try and string it on for two or three games in a series. And in that way, I appreciate that it felt like it was self-contained. Even with that extra ending stinger, it was like, we're confident in what we're doing here, and we want to make this game and this story, and we're going to tell it to the full ability that we can. As I mentioned about the graphics, I thought it was gorgeous. The gameplay, which I didn't get to hit on a lot, but the using the bow and arrow, I think it's kind of felt the best out of any bow and arrow I've used in any game, even comparing to something like Tomb Raider recently or Far Cry Primal. It was just a game that spoke to me, at least from, and from a character perspective and understanding the Karja and understanding the Osiram and the Nora and the different tribes, everything spoke to me in a way that worked in such a cohesive piece that I can honestly think that this game is something that's going to stick around on my top 10 list of all time potentially. And that's, that's about the highest praise I can give it. Real quick, do you think the sequel has Aloy as a protagonist? Yeah, I think Aloy... Aside from a commercial standpoint, where I imagine Sony wants to make Aloy into a mascot, especially with how she's caught on for cosplay and all that other stuff, I'm curious to see what her story goes to after this, since her kind of central question has been answered. So if they can find another piece of Aloy that they want to explore, I'd be interested in returning to her as a character. Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious if they did do a sequel with Aloy. And I'm curious as well because it, it seems like they knew what they had on their hands. They knew that they had created something special. But the one thing that you came into the beginning of this game, I think it's different than a lot of other things, is there was no DLC plan laid out ahead of time. There's no season pass announced before you purchase the game. There's no, you're going to get the next chapter after you beat it or something of that nature. And they've hinted that they're working on some sort of follow-up expansion, but I haven't seen any details around what kind of level of experience that will be and i think the only pre-order bonus was like some different armor but nothing substantial there so uh rihanna what do you think if i would say buy borrow or pass i would say buy <laughs> oh that's a good one buy borrow or pass uh, yeah no definitely buy on me too yeah um, so that's a 10 out of 10 we'll <laughs> no down in the no books. <laughs> no no that's not how this works no um, i loved the game this is the first playstation game that I have ever played. I did not platinum and I will. I definitely plan to go back and we'll probably do a second playthrough and make some different choices. Specifically, I'm going to kill Olin because I really <laughs> want to know what happens. Kill Olin and kill Nil. Or fight Nil. I might fight Nil. See what I'll let you guys know how that goes. But I love the game. When I look at what I want from a single player, I guess shooter, for lack of a better term, this is exactly what I want. I want something that gives me an interesting story, a world that I like spending time in. Combat doesn't have to be that great, and so the fact that it wasn't especially challenging didn't bother me. But more than anything, I just enjoyed being Aloy. And I really love, you know, as you said, talking about the game and the conversations that sort of some of the themes have sparked and the concepts that the creators have researched very, very well are really intriguing. And I 100% enjoyed the game. 
and I would definitely play it again. It's interesting that we didn't bring up Assassin's Creed because this game kind of felt like it was it felt that filled that niche for me mm-hmm. like that that same kind of feeling that I get from playing Assassin's Creed games straight up to the the freaking uh, long necks which we didn't mention <laughs> which are just directly towers that walk around a little bit which is a little bit cooler than just straight up towers so I'll give them that and while I'm thinking about it, her repelling animation was so freaking <laughs> completely needless and freaking cool. Like, if you throw this into real life, why? the first time that you do that, it's like, why would I ever do it this way? Like, I'm running out into oblivion and then turning once I'm like 20 feet down from the ledge, turning around, throwing a repelling hook praying that it that it hooks on and holds my weight and then going down and, so and, and freaking landing. cool it was really cool completely dumb <laughs> really unnecessary really unsafe if you if you want to think about it but yeah it's really cool yeah it felt great it felt awesome i i think it felt awesome is a good way to say how i felt about this game in general just the way she moved around it made me feel like those old assassin's creed games where i'm sneaking around in the hiding in the bush sneaking up on enemies that freedom to go wherever i want in the world and there's a whole list of things for me to take care of mm-hmm. i appreciated the quest system although you know we got a little bit of mixed feelings about that i really appreciated what you what you could do with the quest system, how it categorized things for you, so you knew whether, which kind of quest mm-hmm. you wanted to do. The the build a build your own quest system was pretty cool because there would be things you'd be like, okay, this is the thing I want to go for in the world, and then being able to have the system help you al- along and do the things that you wanted to do, I think were really cool. The story I really appreciated. The one thing that was a little less appreciative of was that there were a lot of big story dumps and so mm-hmm. there more often than not i felt like okay i need to stay and sit in this room and wait for the message to finish or i have to go through this you know giant text screen wall of text that i'm not really sure whether or not this actually applies but those things aside i really enjoyed the story and like you're saying i really appreciated that it this was not just a i don't know how to put this without sounding super sjw so i'll just i really appreciated not just playing a white dude working for another white dude killing a bunch of brown people you are so far away from the the norms of what we're living in now that none of this needed to matter at all and so whether your society is patriarchal or matriarchal is like 50-50, or maybe it didn't even matter, right? Like, so it totally made sense that this world could grow organically in a completely different way. And I really appreciated the, the way that that idea and that setting and that culture was pervasive across the whole game. It wasn't just like a one-off thing, one-off th- storyline. Like, this was the setting. This is what the whole world is about. Everything down from the designs of the armors, the types of weapons that different uh, areas had, I, it, it really felt like a full, cohesive story. Yeah, it was really um, well thought out, like down to people reacting to the, you using your focus and saying, how can you see that stuff? Like, they, they feel like they gave a lot of attention to all of the details, and I appreciated that. It showed through. I started this diatribe thinking I was going to say 9 out of 10, but I actually just talked myself. I think this game was a 10 out of 10. What? This was an excellent game. 
This brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the Emotive Pixels podcast. If you want more from us, you can find us on iTunes and at our webpage, www.emotivepixelspodcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash emotivepixels, or follow us on Twitter at emotivepixels. And as always, keep Keep on playing. playing!